I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as killer babysitters, blood cults, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. So did you ever have any really hot babysitters? No, but I remember, okay, so there was this one babysitter that I had that like saw us <laughs> and these other kids. <laughs> and I remember like me and this girl building like a, a fort out of couch cushions. Okay. And we talked about having sex and neither one of us were old enough to know what sex was. Huh? That's my only memory of a babysitter. <laughs> I had an older sister, so I only got babysat by my sister. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, if anything, though, these movies, you know, just it showed me there was a different path available out there. <laughs> but anyways, we are finally back. Yup. On March the 5th to bring you guys episode 78, The Babysitter Franchise. A couple of weeks late. Yeah, we're late on account of me again, and this time it's not my laziness. Um, so... Uh, my wife's uncle passed on Friday the 13th, which y'all have listened to us. Y'all know that's a celebrated holiday between my family and at least Jesse's part of Jesse's family. <laughs> yeah. And then we buried him on my wife's birthday. And then my mom, Jesse's aunt, passed on my birthday. So uh, it, it's, been, it's been a shitty year so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, brother. Well, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I think I'm going to go back on a diet. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, recently found out I have high blood pressure and my doctor's been trying to get me to take medicine for it for a couple of months. And they started talking about like stroke and congestive heart failure and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's stop eating so much red meat and salt. Let's start exercising. I'm 40. I want to be around for my kids for a while. Hey, so. man, death. It'll kill you. <laughs> that is that is as true as. Well, death and taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Anyways, anyways, uh, Josh probably needed this a little sooner than we did it just to get a break from stuff, but still got to have time to do it, right? While you're not managing things. Yup. Let's break in. I, I got a little bit of current news. I wanted to start kind of restricting this section to being less of what all horror news is out there and what is cool to Jesse and Josh. And there happened to be... <laughs> Quite a bit for my first attempt at this. Um, Blumhouse and Atomic Monster are partnering for their next film together with James Wan producing after Megan. And it's the Dead by Daylight movie. Okay. Which you guys know I love that game. So I'm really <laughs> excited about it, but I understand it, it could go really shitty. And if you've never played the game, there's two routes they could kind of go. They could go like really campy slasher, or they could go really dark cosmic horror. Because there's like an entity that kidnaps people through time and locations and throws them into the thing. And they, they the, the people wake up at the campfire and they have to escape and they get murdered and they wake back up at the fire. And it's like a loop they're stuck in, okay. lore-wise. And the entity is like a, a cosmic being, right? So there's like four original slashers they created when the game launched. And they could use them and focus on that aspect and the people trying to survive the campfire, or they could more focus on this entity kidnapping things and finally have like, like see different groups of people in different lives, you know, in different times and they're getting taken and the killers are getting taken and then fucking throw them all in at once. Okay. It just needs to kind of go down like cabin in the woods at the end. I feel like, okay, well I've never played it. So right. <laughs> I know you've seen me play it before when I streamed it and I was basically just playing as Michael Myers or something, walking around hunting for people. And the story doesn't, 
you know, go into the game as much because it's uh, asymmetrical PvP game, basically, yeah. right? But there's lore for how each of the characters got there, and they usually get a cutscene. It's kind of neat, but I'm excited about it. In related news, the unrated version of Megan comes out on March 21st. Sweet. And they have been Instagram posting full versions of scenes. So, so far, they've done the kid getting his ear ripped off and getting hit by the truck. Okay. And the lady getting her face pressure washed off. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, there is, for real, an unrated version coming out. Fidi Alvarez's Alien film starts production next week. Like, it's completely cast now. He's about to start shooting it. Yeah, it's really happening. It is really happening. And I still stand by Evil Dead being the best remake, not just in horror, but, like, just the best remake ever ever made. Texas Chainsaw Massacre went a little out there and was not a good remake. But no, he, it wasn't. I, I don't know if that was just his name attached to it, you know, because he was the producer. He didn't direct it. Correct. So he's doing this one proper. So let's uh, let's pray our old boy Feedy carries through on this one. <laughs> Found this out by accident yesterday. Keanu Reeves, of all people, did an AMA on Reddit. Okay. There's no way I couldn't fucking read it. <laughs> Dude's totally chill and laid back throughout it. But he was asked, and, and I might have to explain this to Josh because he doesn't keep up with this much of Hollywood and comic <laughs> stuff, but... <laughs> You know, Marvel's got the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Kevin Feige's in charge of all of it, right? Yeah. And everything's linked, right? DC hasn't done that with Warner Brothers, and most no. of their movies have gone to shit. So they're rebooting the entire DC universe, and James Gunn's in charge of it. I'm still listening. So he's made some <laughs> questionable decisions, like he called Henry Cavill in to tell him he wasn't going to be Superman anymore, yeah. which is going to get us a Warhammer show. So that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> um, but they are going to at least be linked going forward, so they might be better. And somebody asked Keanu Reeves on the AMA, has he talked to James Gunn yet about Constantine 2? And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, we've already had a couple meetings, and I hope you guys get to see it. Oh, fuck yeah. So... <laughs> he's rebooting shit, but he's called Keanu in to fucking make Constantine 2 or, or the option like might be on the table. So that's awesome. And, and Keanu is always in every interview I've ever seen, even up until, you know, last year. Like, would you, is there a character you'd ever like to revisit? And he's like, yeah, John Constantine. <laughs> I don't think he's ever done a role he didn't like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes he'll have gaps where he doesn't do anything. I mean, knock, knock by Eli Roth is a little questionable. I was going to say free pizza. <laughs> But I think he acted exactly how he was told. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it kind of made it funnier because Keanu yes. Reeves, he usually just get Keanu and we got a different person in that one. Well, and he's also so well known in yeah. real life. Like even when he takes pictures with chicks, like he, he sticks his hand off in the air, yeah. off to the side. So like, ain't nobody ever going to get me for anything like this. <laughs> so to see him in that role with free yeah. pizza, that was fucked up. Um. <laughs> It was funny, though. They asked him if he ever regretted working with anybody. He's like, I don't think I, I would insult anybody by saying that, but I honestly can't. I can't think of a time. <laughs> and they asked him if there's anything you ever turned down and he regrets. And he says, no, I've always taken everything that I always wanted, but there was something that I've always wanted that I never got, and I always wanted to be Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But I'm painting the picture in my mind right now. I can... He's Canadian, so can, he can do it. I can, wait, why does he have to be Canadian? Wolverine's Canadian. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't, anyway, I didn't know he had to come from that country. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Slinging maple syrup and shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We love you, our neighbors up north. <laughs> Speaking of Eli Roth, Thanksgiving is actually coming out. What? Yes. It's entirely cast. He starts filming it soon. 
It is the Thanksgiving movie from the fake trailer from Grindhouse. Oh, that's going to be either awesome or terrible. White meat, dark meat, all meat must be carved, or whatever the fuck they said on that trailer. It was something absurd. I just remember the head attached to the turkey body. Um, Yeah, it's a thing. This one I haven't seen yet, so it's not so much news. I just kind of want to talk about it. I don't know where else to put it. There's a new Netflix movie called We Have a Ghost. Yeah. And it's starring David Harbour, who I love. And it's made by Christopher Landon, who did, you know, Freaky and Happy Death Day and shit like that, right? So I like his work, and it's meant to be a kids movie and a gateway horror movie to get kids into horror which that's kind of the shit that like we grew up watching yeah. were, were the gateway movies. So I'm actually really excited to check that one out. Um, my wife started it and then realized it was kid friendly and stopped it. And she's like, we need to have family movie night and watch this. I think it'll be fun. And like I said, it's got David Harbour. So, okay. My, uh, my wife kept trying to put it on and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not in the mood. Cause it's like two hours and seven minutes long. Oh, is it? Yeah. And, uh, I think she's in the other room watching it right now. <laughs> Either that or carnival of souls. <laughs> it looked like she was cooking when I, uh, when I walked by to hit the head earlier, but she could be watching it in the background. <laughs> And the last one, this one's kind of odd, and I was going to bring it up when we were going to record a couple weeks ago before uh, Josh's mom passed away, but it's the only time to bring it up. Have you heard about Julian Sands from The Warlock? Like Warlock, like Warlock, we grew up with Warlock? The one I've been wanting to cover? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's an avid hiker, and he decided to go hiking in the mountains by himself. Oh, this story ends well. Right before one of the snowstorms, I believe, or the floods, because he lives in like Northern California, and he's been missing for like six or seven weeks now. They're still looking for him. Holy but fuck. I think they got like 10 feet of snow last week there. I mean, he's most, there's no way he's still alive. But. No, unless he like found a cave with like some foodstuffs. Um, I wouldn't be holding out hope. That's fucked up, man. And he very regularly does it, apparently. He loves hiking and Told his wife he was going out hiking. I think his buddy was supposed to go with him and ended up not being able to go. And he went by himself and they can't track his GPS. Or And I didn't want to end the news on a downer, but um, I've always wanted to cover Warlock. Like, it comes yeah. up all the fucking time. As a matter of fact, in honor of Julian Sands, maybe we'll just go ahead and do that soon. <laughs> at least, the, is there more than two? We'll at least do the first two. I, I was like to say, I, there's at least two. But, uh, no, it's just fucking crazy, man. We're talking about life being short earlier. That wasn't even like a health thing. Damn. I have no announcements. I know Josh and I were talking about trying to do something for YouTube or some Patreon content, but obviously with a couple of deaths in the family, uh, he's been a bit busy and I didn't want to go rogue without him. So we're <laughs> still going to work on that for this year. We move as slow as the U.S. government. <laughs> I would like to give us more credit than that. Updates and corrections. This looks pretty long and I hate doing them when they're this old. So bear with me, everyone. I have to sometimes remember my shorthand. So Richard Dreyfus and the screenplay writer of Mr. Holland's Opus were nominated for an Academy Award, but Stephen Herrick did not get nominated for directing. Oh. Because okay. when I was going over his director's credits, I was like, he even did, you know, Mr. Holland's Opus, which I think got some Oscars or at least nominated, and it did. He didn't for directing. That. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, if everybody else got it, then he did a fantastic job, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy that he made Critters and then that, but not directly. This, I can't believe it did not come up when I was doing research, but Brian Muir, the writer and creator of Critters, actually passed away in 2010 at the age of 48. Fuck. Died of pneumonia. Fuck, fuck. So I don't know how I didn't find that when we were, you know, prepping, but I saw that after the fact, and I was like, Jesus. Um, So RIP Brian Muir brought one of my favorite franchises to life. The DP that I mentioned um, did win an Oscar for Titanic. Okay. But he was not the DP on Critters. He was the DP on Critters 2. 
Hey, at least he was in the universe. It's you still got the Titanic stuff going on there. <laughs> and random fact unrelated, upon fact checking that, I found out that Titanic was nominated for 14 fucking Oscars and won 11 of them. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It was a big boat. Go James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times I said Rob Shea in the episode drove me fucking crazy. <laughs> I know his name's Robert Shea. I know he goes by Bob Shea. I've always known this. I knew it while we were doing it. And I even said it correctly several times, too. Yeah. But the amount of times I said it incorrectly, way, way outnumbered it. I'm okay with all three. I think people know who you were talking about. I just, I've never heard them referred to you as Rob Shea, and I said it so many times. We are now that podcast. Now, I've been watching a lot of special effects stuff recently, and they've had a, the Avatar 2 Weta team. Okay. On there a lot, and they all call him Jim Cameron, and I've never yeah. heard Jim. So I'm assuming if you're like friends, he's like called me Jim. James is my father. I don't even <laughs> fucking know if that was his dad's name, but like I guess it's a thing. But you know, he's always credited as James Cameron. I've never once seen Jim Cameron on credit. So yeah, I don't know why I have the critters logline and the critters tagline. <laughs> I'm assuming I probably said the poster line or something. Maybe I just thought they were fucking funny and I added them. But the log line was a group of small but vicious alien creatures called Krites escape from an alien prison transport vessel and land near a small farm town on Earth pursued by two shape-shifting bounty hunters. That's, that's pretty standard for a log line. I was like to say, that's pretty generic. The tagline, however, is great. The original tasty entree. <laughs> Furballs with teeth. <laughs> Yeah, furballs. That's the one I think I said was furballs. I, so. I don't. I don't even fucking remember. It's been so long, and I'm not going to do an update and correction to the update and correction. It's just not happening, people. <laughs> we know we're not diving that fucking deep, damn it. Brad and April did not go out to the barn to make out. It was Steve and April. Wait, I what? did at least say Brad watched from his window. <laughs> I said Brad and April go out to the barn to make out, and bar- and and Brad oh. watches from his window. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I didn't until I was editing it. And I couldn't um, cut it out unless I like tried to fucking re-record the line and shit at home. I just left it. I was like, fucking people will get what I'm saying. I thought it was worth adding Lynn Shay's character's name. Apparently, it's Sally. That fits. Okay. I don't know if I ever remember it, hearing it, but we only called her Lynn Shay, so I thought I should look it up. I said that there was something funny on the Bolarama sign, or the Bolarama, as she says it, and I couldn't remember what it was, and it wasn't in my notes. It's Hunter League now forming. I guess because there's like a lot of hunters in the town. Oh, like your okay, hunters, okay. But it's like a bounty hunter joke, right? Because yeah, the yeah. bounty hunters are in there blowing the fucking place up. So we messed up our crite count after making fun of just counting it. <laughs> <laughs> we were damn sure we were at number four and then started talking about there being five. But we forgot about the firework eating crite when we counted them and listed oh, them off. Oh, we went on and on about his death, but didn't count them. Right. Well, we, were, we listed them and counted them out. And we just skipped one entirely. Oh, okay, okay. But in the end, we ended up on the right number. That's all that matters. So I don't remember exactly how we fucked it up. I didn't put that in the notes, but I don't know if we like one, two, three, five did or what. Common core, motherfucker. <laughs> the bounty hunter does not actually turn into Freddy Krueger in the sequel film. He starts to transform into Freddy off of seeing a poster and Charlie stops him. Okay. So it didn't actually happen. I had like Medela affected that in my head. Well, I think you even said he either turns into him or starts to turn into yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to confirm it because I was curious. I, no, I did not go back and watch any Critter sequels. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually watched Critters again since we recorded oh, because damn. I love that movie, but I didn't watch any sequels. 
when going through Josh's notes to make sure I got all the clips, because his clips are not always as obvious to insert as mine, and he'll he'll send me the files, but I have to like look at the the script a bit, and I noticed he put clown clips with K's instead of C's, because killer clowns is with K's, and nice touch, Josh. Oh, I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> And one more killer clown fact. This actually kind of goes more into the video game, but ties in to the episode because Josh and I were talking about the clown names and how the Kyoto brothers called them this. And then like other people on set would call them that. And, and the pop figures are called this. And yeah, yeah. Reddit says that or whatever. The game released more information after we recorded. Okay. And they listed all the clown classes or characters, right? Like they have different abilities and different functions when you pick them for this asymmetrical game. And you can select from one of five known clown with the K classes. And, uh, you know, so one of them's got like a balloon ability and you can make the animal dogs sniff you out and all that stuff. And, and, and there's a bunch of funny, neat shit. But the interesting thing is it would call them like the scouts and then the clown's name. Okay. And since the Kyoto brothers or a part of making this game, I assume, and this is like the canonical name of the clowns. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot to go on. We could just go off of what Josh saw in interviews and whatnot, what, what they would call them. But here we go. I'm not going to say their, I guess I'll say the classes just for anybody interested in the game, but it's more about the clown names. The scout is jumbo. Okay. The, the fighter is shorty tracks. The tank is chubby. Okay. The tracker is spiky. Eh. So I guess that's the guy with the dog, right? The balloon dog. And the trapster is Rudy. What the fuck is a Rudy? I don't know. I don't know. So we can actually look it up on their website because it's got pictures of them next okay. to the class. I didn't put them in the notes, obviously, because they're fucking notes. But I will show you later. <laughs> and the last thing, I really wish I could have kept me yelling, holy shit, he makes a dummy out of him. But it was unfucking keepable because we were like <laughs> laughing and, and yelling over each other. And it was, you know, when he's got the cop, you know, and he makes him yeah. talk and like as observant as I like to think I am and how much I love that movie. I never really <laughs> thought about how Mooney says, nobody's going to make a dummy out of me. And he literally made a dummy out of him. Uh -huh. It was great. It was, it was just, the laughter was contagious and uh, it was unkeepable. So <laughs> <laughs> you have anything? No, man, I never do. No news. No. Um, well, I mean, there's rumors updates. on the forums about Halloween Horror Nights, but there's been that the first spec map has come out. Fuck it. It's the only thing I ever talk about. Gotcha. And uh, so anybody who follows the forums knows that Legacy has always been an inside person and loves doing these little games to give clues. And uh, they're like, okay, so there's a white whale that isn't going to happen that now last minute is like, oh, shit, this white whale may be back on the table. And okay. three of my last four house clues the houses are totally irrelevant now. So apparently it's still so early in spec season though. There's a big shakeup and, uh, the spec map. <laughs> one of the placeholders is a lightning bolt with a guitar. Okay. So everybody's immediately stranger things like, uh, okay. because of Metallica, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, but everybody's been saying, no, there's been a falling out between universal and Netflix. Plus Netflix has their own stranger things house thing going on now. That's not going to happen. Everybody stopped talking about that. Once this new, supposed major change okay. in the lineup has happened. So who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I don't care. Still Chucky monsters. Those are the only things <laughs> we know for sure. <laughs> Did you ever see the old movie trick or treat, not trick or treat, but trick or treat? No, there's like a metal band and the lead singer slash guitar player dies and he's in the tape and you play yes. the tape and it kills you. Could be that. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I have a feeling there's gonna be a Megan house. There, there's absolutely going to be a Megan house. 
There's, there's uh, nobody said it right, like officially, but between the shit that they did at City Walk and it's fucking Blumhouse, yeah, and the movie's blown up, and Blumhouse is gonna have to do some shit anyway, exactly, and it's really popular right now. I mean, they're already greenlit a sequel, so. Well, I guess it's time for what we watched, and I'm sure my list is much longer than this, but <laughs> just at the meat of it, I've been watching the final season of Servant. It was a little slow going into it, but like we're hitting the tail end here, and it, it's gotten fucking like off the rails cool, and I'm waiting on the <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan you know, twist to come in. <laughs> so I've been enjoying that. Last of Us has been fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it is like the perfect example of you can change some stuff from the source material entirely. Yeah. And nobody gets angry because you did it right. The important plot elements and character development traits are there. It's just they did things like the spores don't leak gas constantly because you wouldn't be able to fucking do anything. Yeah. You know, like it's cool to change stuff like that. And they added some extra backstory. They brought, I can't think of his name right now, but old boy from the mummy movies that plays the brother. Like, he was the doctor, and he's explaining, like, the mushrooms and how they can, like, take over your yes, brain. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. That was a cool, like, little flashback scene. So I've, they've done a really, really good job of the show so far, and I've enjoyed it. My only complaint is the last epi- last two episodes have been a little, little hard on the drama, a yeah. little low on the action. Well, they probably had to give Bella Ramsey something to attempt to get nominated for. <laughs> and you, have you played Last of Us? Uh, this is the whole thing, man. I played it for like 45 minutes, and I was just like, this would be better as a movie. Oh. <laughs> well, the whole flashback at that point in time, and then going to the mall in the flashback, yeah. that's all it, that happens in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that actually happened. I think it's just supposed to mo- more show you why she's, like, damaged in a way. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. she got bit. So, it's it's... I think it's going to have a good payoff when we pick back up tonight, actually. New episodes tonight. And yeah, then yeah. the finale is next week, right? I think so. Yeah. No, I, I've been stoked watching it. Um, we even, we talked about it. It was like, it was kind of a filler episode. Like you could have done that in two to 20 minutes. Yeah. Instead of a whole episode. But it's, it's, look, The Walking Dead put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth yeah. after like, you know, it got so far away from where it started to where it ended up. But like, that's what it ends up being about is like how fucked up are people in right. a post-apocalyptic situation. But Speaking of people, how about episode three, fucking Ron Swanson coming in, knocking it out the park. That's like one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. I say some things about people inserting things or leading with certain things right. just to cater to niche audiences. And I say that as a horror fan, I'm already a fucking niche audience. <laughs> You're a niche audience and um, a niche audience. But that episode was fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, I like, I'm going to tear up right now talking about it. Like, no, no, no. I got wet eyed yeah, watching yeah. it. It was done so yeah, well. Yeah. They're like when it first started going, I'm like, all right, this is getting us from A to B. How long are we going to be here? And, and then it gets towards the end and I'm like, oh, dude, this isn't right. Gonna, is this going to be like Romeo and Juliet or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a very well made episode and those guys nailed it. And yeah. like, I think everybody at least got a little watery in the eyes. My wife's crying, you know, it's like, it's a beautiful <laughs> love story. Not expecting that going in, you know, and Joel and Ellie were barely in the episode. They show up for like a few minutes at the end and they got some gas and a truck and stuff and show all that. But in the <laughs> game, it. in the game, they're the characters that you go meet in the junkyard to sell stuff to. Yeah. And you only meet one of them. And he's like, oh, if somebody's wearing a shirt that bad, it must have been my partner. Like, that's it. Like, that's all the backstory you get. And they wrote that fucking awesome episode. So I think it's crazy that they have such short season and they're able to throw, like, these random 
offshoot character development episodes for an entire episode. And and notice when Josh was saying the ones that have kind of slowed down, he wasn't talking about the one that didn't even move the plot. No, no, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> that one was great. No, I'm like, because it, it gets to a certain point in that episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, the radio codes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was nice how it, like, fell into that, too, right? I guarantee you that's going to be the nominated for an Emmy episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Out of, of what's happened so far, absolutely. Yeah. And it actually did end up being important now to think about it because it was to, it was to show Joel that he could get over you know old girl's death and move on and yeah. accept and love somebody else right like yeah. that was the important thing. he got the message and that's what made him finally be like okay I gotta take care of Ellie <laughs> so I don't know I don't want to linger on that one too long that, that was some good shit um, Marge and I have started watching Carnival Row I had been wanting to watch that one and I hadn't seen it yet so we've watched the entire first season I think I think we finished the first season we might be on the finale but it's been pretty good so far Okay. The wife was talking about starting it today. I haven't seen it. It's, uh, I mean, it's not horror per se, but it's got like that whole fae realm fairy stuff that I like. Okay. And it, it's, it's like dirty Victorian steam oh, era. I like dirty Victorian. And Orlando <laughs> Bloom's like a fucking inspector that knocks oh, the okay, shit okay. out of people. I remember watching yeah. the trailer for this now. It's pretty good. Okay. It's not like very fast moving. It's more about characters and you're trying to figure out this fucking monster that's like eating people's livers and shit in the background. So if you like watching like old timey cop shows and stuff with a supernatural splash, it's it's that. But okay. it, it's it's pretty entertaining. Murdaw murders. Have you seen that one? Haven't even heard of it. So I hadn't either, and my wife was shocked, but it's this family that's prominent or was prominent, had a lot of money and like a long line of lawyers. And they were prosecutors, but they were rich and, and real big in this community. And, and the main, the dad of the family had six people die around him over like the course of a few years. Mm-hmm. Including, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's actually really big right now in the news because the Netflix documentary came out coincidentally during the last week of the trial and they did closing arguments and the guy got convicted like two days ago. Oh, okay. Right. But like. I mean, we're talking about killed his wife and one of his sons and like his housekeeper and like some random other guy and who he might've had like a gay affair with and stole hundreds of millions of dollars from his law firm. Like, you know, they'd win a suit or whatever and it was $10 million and like the firm was supposed to get four mil and the, the people were supposed to get six and he'd split it. Like he'd swap it and take the difference yeah. and shit like that just what so he could buy opioids. Like he was just fucking addicted to pain pills. But like his kid was drunk driving a boat. That's how it starts out. And he accidentally kills a girl. Like they're in high school. Like it's a big group of them. He hurts all of them. One of them dies. And the family tries to cover it up. Like okay. that's how the first two episodes go. And then you start finding about all the other people that died around him and it got covered up. Ah. But finally something happened. So uh, I, I kind of, I guess I ruined it there, but like. Damn. It's all over the internet right now because the dude just got convicted Friday. Okay. So, uh, and it was, it's been the number one thing on Netflix as far as shows or document, whatever that section is for two weeks. So like okay. most people probably seen it at least or read it. And uh, of course I've been watching all my Star Wars shows, fucking the Mandalorian's <laughs> back. Speaking of Pedro Pascal and uh, it's on fire and, and Bad Batch is pretty good. So what have you watched? All right. Um, well, we went over Last of Us. Um, that is the only crossover I'm going to have on this list. The Mayfair Witches, which... Uh, okay, I've been watching that. Okay, the wife started that, and I, I wasn't going to watch it, and I've somehow ended up watching it. It's not like, oh my God, you got to see this, but, uh-huh. it's, but it's good. It's yeah. not bad. That, that's what I would say about it. I'm only like three in, I think, and Margie was you know, watching it with me, and she, I think she got bored, right, and kind of got out of it, and it was one of those things I was more watching to watch 
with her because we with her not liking horror or Star Wars, there's not like a whole lot of crossover. You take what you can get. And uh, I'm like, want to know what's happening. So I'm going to go back and finish it, I think. And I figured I might as well wait it out, marathon it, and then go back and watch the interview with the vampire show because I haven't watched that yet either. <laughs> okay. Um, Inside Man. Um, you got David Tennant as a vicar who, I don't want to spoil everything. Um, he tries to protect uh, his assistant that's into darker stuff on the internet, I okay. would say. Um, and it devolves into an absolute clusterfuck. Okay. And then it goes from funny, it starts off funny. It goes from funny to interesting to, oh my God. And then it goes to something after that, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I love David Tennant, so I'll check it out. Yeah, it's inter- it's interested seeing him. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, if you like David Tennant, check this shit out. Knock at the cabin. I haven't watched it yet. Don't tell me anything. I want to watch it. And Margie wants to watch that one with me. So I ain't gonna say anything if you haven't seen it. Then no, no, no. I was gonna watch it this weekend. We had too much going on, so I'll probably watch it one day after work. And I'm super in the mood because I've been watching Servant, which is produced by M Night Shyamalan and has Rupert Gint in it as yeah. well. So you know, see it so we can talk about it. <laughs> we'll do. We won't spoil it, but we'll we'll at least be able to talk about it. Annihilation, that's been out for a few years. Have you seen that? I haven't. Like I've the, heard to watch it. Like, I was told I should watch it, but I just nothing about the trailer grabbed me about it, and I never read about it. Oh, it's fucking color out of space. Okay, it's this. Fu- I, I know it's like it's Lovecraftian as fuck. Um, that's all I'm gonna say. Like it, it could have been executed better, but. It's uh, you. You'd. Fu- I think you'd fucking. Love okay. It. When we were doing research for the cosmic horror episode, that came up in a list as well as that movie Underwater. Huh. I don't know that one. It came out a couple of years ago, and it's starring. Can't think of her name right now, but the chick <laughs> from Twilight, and she's really good in it. Bella. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> she was really good in it, and it's like a underwater like base thing, and they're being attacked by like an underwater Cthulhu. Okay. Shit. It, it was really good, also. So. Lastly on my list, The Lair, Neil Marshall. Oh, not good? Not good. So that's like two movies in a row that were shit that he's made then. Well, the last one wasn't shit, but it wasn't good. Oh, I mean, The Lair makes the witch movie look amazing. Oh, my God. It's that bad. It is like, I don't know. It's like just everything about it feels cheap and rushed. Just everything, the lighting, the cinematography, the writing, uh, everything is just so not on point. So don't even give it a shot as a Neil Marshall fan? It's Neil. Maybe I'm not. Neil Marshall (laughs) underground and monsters. Okay. And And it's still not good. And he fucked it up. (laughs) Like, The Descent is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And you put him back in something similar to that environment. And it's just, hey, let me put my wife on film. Look at her go. So maybe he got lucky a couple of times and that's I, it. I don't know, man. Because he did Dog Soldiers also, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And then I, I liked his Hellboy remake with David Harbour. That's it. But it's hated by most people. I thought it was <laughs> fun. It was just like nothing happened. You were just watching David Harbour play Hellboy and break shit. Oh. But I'm okay with that. I can watch David Harbour break shit all day and I don't get bored. <laughs> that fucking Santa Claus movie was great. Only because it was David Harbour. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> But anyways, I guess we should dive into this franchise that we've been wanting to cover for so long. Well, when we saw the first movie, we wanted to cover it. It ended up turning <laughs> into a franchise live before our eyes. But yeah, as far as a backstory on this episode, there's not one. It's a funny franchise. We like watching the movies <laughs> and we wanted to cover it. So here we are. It's fucking McG, dude. <laughs> I'll go into that a little bit right here, actually. All right. So I'm, of course, covering 2017's The Babysitter. 
which is directed by Mick G, who I've been a fan of for a long time, but it was fun actually digging into him. He started out doing music videos. Yep. A lot of big music videos when I looked at his list. And then he met Quentin Tarantino. Yep. Because he liked them and they became friends and he got him as in in Hollywood. And he did the Charlie's Angels movie, which is fucking crazy, off the wall, awesome. I enjoyed watching them when they came out, right? <laughs> and it that kind of gave you what to expect from McG seeing that movie. And he did both of them. And the second one got even crazier than the first one. But what I really liked about his shit is it was crazy and off the wall. And yeah. then he made my favorite television show of all time. <laughs> the Chuck. OC. No, no, he didn't make that. <laughs> but Chuck, I love Chuck. I've watched it five times over. I'm giving my son like a year or two, and I think he's ready to plow through it with me. <laughs> Work of fucking art. I've always loved that show, and uh, it was cool. So he, he brought me that, and, and like Josh said, he did the OC. He got famous for that. Terminator Salvation. I actually liked that movie. I haven't seen it. It's just not a lot of action. And it's dark. So it's not the same kind of thing, but I felt it really kind of felt true to like James Cameron's vision, right? Like that universe. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's only in the future with the Skynet battle shit going on. Okay. And you meet the first Terminator ever that looks like a human. Like, okay. And and it's just like a group of rebels fighting Skynet and they get one of their own ends up being like a sleeper cell Terminator, like Battlestar Galactica style. <laughs> and uh, I liked it, but it was pretty hated. But all the Terminator sequels suck, other than Terminator 2, right? Which is arguably better than the first one, right? Like, that's yeah, going to yeah, yeah. come let's, up let's, on let's here. go there. And uh, <laughs> so after that, though, most of the sequels sucked. And I liked this one, and I thought it actually felt that way. And McGee, actually, I saw in an interview, he, that wasn't his cut of the movie. His cut of the movie is really, <laughs> really dark. He's like, okay. he's like, I've never gone to such a place it was so dark it was so bleak and the good guys and the humans aren't winning right and he goes and that's the world that you're supposed to have oh and they didn't let me release that but he has the cut and the moment he's allowed to legally he says it's okay the mcg cut so then i might like it because he doesn't do dark shit a lot i think you would like this actually i think you like terminator enough because the first terminator wasn't so much an action movie it was just like a really dark slowish movie it feels like that to me okay and you got christian bale in it I go back and forth with him. He's a good actor. <laughs> you also have, wow, I'm going to, this is going to give me a note on the next, next episode. The guy from like the Clash of the Titans remakes and the Avatar movies, the main guy. Yeah. Jake Sully, yeah. <laughs> I'm useless here, sir. I'm the name guy and I can't think of any names right now, but yeah, they're both in it and, and a couple other people, but fucking watch it anyway. So right. I can't stand him forever. And then he's also a huge producer. Yes. So like supernaturally pr- produced the entirety of that show. Oh yeah. And I think it's in my notes later, like the making a babysitter, but he has like a style that he applies to all of the shit except for Terminator Salvation. <laughs> and uh, I think that's what I like about him, but I'll get to that later. Brian Duffield was the writer of the, at least the first film. I didn't look to see if he wrote the second one. He wrote the Insurgent movie of the Divergent series, which those are okay. okay. I think they came out too close to Hunger Games to uh. kind of catch my attention. He wrote Underwater, which I was just oh. talking about. I really like that movie. Okay. Love and Monsters, which I really liked. Okay. And then I haven't seen Spontaneous, but that's the one everybody's like spontaneously combusting. Combusting or exploding? Or exploding, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. him. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that movie. I actually like that movie. Yeah, so he wrote all that shit. So he's got some good credits in there. And our cast, <laughs> Cole, the star, the boy, is played by <laughs> Judah Lewis. And he had a bunch of small parts, and then he got this job. And then he was in Summer 84. Then I See You. 
So he was going on this like horror streak, and then he did the Christmas Chronicles movies, which I've been ah. talking about for Netflix. So he's the son in that with uh, Kurt Russell, Santa Claus. So oh. that's great. And then he did Killer Queen. And I'm sure a lot of you will notice an age gap in him in between the two movies, but it's <laughs> it's actually because this movie was shot in 2015. Yep. Came out in 2017, so he's two years older, and then they made the sequel two years later. So there's like a six-year gap in there. But, <laughs> and that kid sprouted. Yeah, he did. <laughs> the funny thing is he does the same thing in the Christmas Chronicles movies. He's just like suddenly big. <laughs> he's a little older than he is in the first Babysitter movie. And then the second Christmas Chronicle movie and the second Babysitter movie were shot around the same time. Okay. So like, <laughs> it's a pretty big jump. We have B played by Samara Weaving, who I always like to point out to people that in case they didn't know, it's Hugo Weaving's niece. Oh, okay. So Agent Smith from the Matrix movies and a lot more. She was in Ash versus the Evil Dead was one of her earlier roles for a couple episodes, the whole cabin, like, you know, the hiking people. In yep. the woods. Yeah. So she was in that Mayhem, which I fucking loved that movie. <laughs> when I finally saw it a couple months ago. Good. Three billboards outside of Ebbing. Missouri, which I haven't seen yet, but I kind of want to. It's not a horror movie. It's like, it might even be based off a true story. And it's like a girl gets kidnapped and like the police won't do it or murdered and the police won't do anything about it. And the mom raises money and puts these billboards up in the town to like find oh. her daughter and kind of goes against the police and the mayor. And I don't know. I mean, she was pretty high up in the credits list. So okay. that, might, that, that, that movie got nominated for a bunch of shit. So um, I thought it was cool that she was in that because I didn't know. But what most people probably know her from is Ready or Not Yo. recently. Outside of Babysitter, of course. Guns Akimbo, which I want to see so bad. Oh, dude, it's so fun. Is she it the is, girlfriend? It is so fucking fun. That he's going to save? or <sighs> I've only watched it once, and I was hammered. Okay, okay. I'm going to watch. <laughs> I might even watch that this week. And she's going to be in Scream 6, which comes out in a week, I think. Two weeks. Oh, fuck. It's really close. Really yeah, close. Yeah, a week yeah. or two. Max. Max is my favorite character in this fucking <laughs> franchise. And he's played with Robbie Amell, who I want to point out is Stephen Amell's cousin. And Stephen Amell, he's been doing other shit, but he was most known for being the Green Arrow on the CW show, which oh, okay. I love the first three seasons of that show. It was amazing. It, it kind of went downhill from there. But he was great. <laughs> and his cousin, well, Robbie, the guy we're talking about right now, ended up being in the Flash show for the first season as a hero. And he started out doing a lot of TV, including being Fred's voice on a lot of the modern Scooby-Doo cartoons and movies. No shit. Yeah. And then he got big from that show Tomorrow People, which everyone ever met that saw it liked it, but it didn't take off. And I think it got canceled after a few episodes, but I liked it. There was like this comedy movie, The Duff. Yeah. Right, right. I haven't seen it, but he was in that with somebody else in here. I'll, I'll, I'll get there in a minute. Flash, like I said, <laughs> Code 8's actually this, I'm going to watch it soon, I think. I, I never watched the trailer, but it's made by Steven and Robbie Amell, and they're the stars in it. Okay. And like one of them's got telekinetic powers, and the other one's got the power of like electricity, and they're being hunted by the government because it's a Code 8 if you have powers. Oh. Right. And they made a short and then like crowdfunded it. Okay. Even though they were both successful, like nobody wanted to make the movie. So they crowdfunded it and made it, and I think they're going to make a sequel. So I thought that was kind of neat. And he was recently in Resident Evil Raccoon City. Yes. Chris, I think. The movie was okay. Nah. He, he wasn't bad. <laughs> and uh, he's in a show called Upload on Amazon Prime, which my wife and I fucking love, and I can't wait until season three comes out. Okay. Now I haven't watched that. You got to watch it. Like, it's not the normal kind of show you and Ginger watch. Okay. But you'd love it. Like, it's the same kind of dark humor. So it's, like, slightly futuristic world. Things are mostly the same as now. But this big company owns this, like, virtual world, okay? And you can have your conscious saved on a hard drive and uploaded for a fee. Okay. It's very expensive into this world and, like, live and, and do all this stuff, right? He was a computer programmer that wrote, like, an open source free version that's better than this and then mysteriously died. 
And his fiance, who was loaded, her family was loaded, downloaded his consciousness and uploaded him without his permission. Oh. And, like, he's wanting to break up with her. And it's funny because, like, his best friend's this crazy guy that was a war vet. So he's got, like, a, like the equivalent of, like, a GI Bill to be there. But you have to have credits. Like, so sometimes he'll turn black and white or start moving really slow. And, like, he only has, like, three frames per second because <laughs> the government didn't pay enough. And so it's really funny. And he's, he's good in that. It's a different kind of humor in here. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm, like, I got a lot of cast members in here. And I'm harking on them for a while. But Josh doesn't have to cover any cast really no so i can i can take all the time i want here and i like these characters uh sonya is played by hannah may lee and she did a lot of tv but what i know her from is the pitch perfect movies oh okay uh she's the girl that like whispers and uh, she might end up rapping i don't know those movies are hilarious <laughs> and i watch them with my wife because it's like her favorite movie series but all right that's all i saw her in that jumped out though uh she's fucking crazy in this movie though she will creep you out yeah but she brings cookies. <laughs> but she brings cookies. <laughs> exactly right. And then force feeding them cookies is odd, too. Uh, Allison, played by Bella Thorne, who, you know, you always see crazy shit about her on the internet. When I saw she was in this movie and, like, in a cheerleader outfit and stuff, I didn't know what to think watching it. <laughs> and she's probably easily my second favorite character just because of her jokes. Oh, she like, leans into it. And yeah. Great. Yeah. She, like, went full camp. But she started out as a child Disney star, you know, so... There's usually crazy backstories about them. Yeah. Had a music career splash in there. She was in The Duff. Yeah. With uh, Robbie Amell. She was in the Scream TV series for a few episodes. Yep. Did some voiceover work, quite a few cartoons. I haven't seen Amityville, The Awakening, but she's the star of that. That's one of the newer ones. Okay. And she recently directed a porno. Oh, well, we'll have to see how she works from the other side. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But uh, her humor in this, and I guess it's McGee's humor, or the, I don't know. I don't know if it's McGee's jokes or the screenplay writer's jokes, but she does them beautifully, as as we'll get into. Note to our listeners, if you're going to Google about that last bit of news, if you just type in Bella Thorne porno, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. No, no, I'm sure there's a lot of deep <laughs> fakes in there. This one's got horns. What the fuck? <laughs> and see, Josh doesn't normally have a laptop in front of him. <laughs> When we record, this is actually a first, and uh, I think we're going to go back to the old way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, Melanie is played by Emily Allen Lind, who did a lot of TV and had a breakout role in the show Revenge, where she plays the younger version of the main character, and then she was in Haunting of Connecticut 2, and then Lights Out as the younger version of the character, and then most recently... Was in Doctor Sleep, a snake bite Annie. Yo. And my mind was fucking blown because I didn't realize that we did Doctor Sleep. I didn't either. I may have actually said it and it just went in our in one yeah. ear and out the other to both of us, but I was like, she looks kind of familiar. Right. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> and honestly, most recently, I guess they rebooted the Gossip Girl show on like HBO or something, and she's the star of that or one of the main characters of that. So okay. she's actually been on that. I'm almost done, guys. There's only a couple of people left. John is played by Andrew Bach, and his last name is actually Bach. Like, it's longer than that. He abbreviated it. He got famous from Vine. He was mm -hmm. actually, when Vine went down, was the most popular Vine channel in the history of the platform. No shit. Um, and he went by King Bach, I think, or King Bach, how, however he says it. But his name, he goes by Andrew Bach is his acting name. He actually hasn't acted that much other than, he still does skits and stuff, I think, on YouTube shorts or something. But, like, he was famous from fucking Vine. For its short-lived life. No shit. And um, he's done a shit ton of unrelated roles. He's in this movie called The Holiday that I watched with my wife that with Emma Roberts. It's pretty funny. Like okay. We'll watch like once a year drinking it. It's a good one. And he was funny in that, but I haven't really seen him a lot, and he hasn't been in a lot. But he uh, he's really funny in this movie. Yes. And 
I mean, he's the token black guy. I'm just going to say it. He 100% is. And I'm pretty sure, like, to me at least, it feels like McGee said, I want you to be the token black guy. (laughs) And I want you to lean in so fucking hard that it's almost over the line and improv a bunch. And that's what we got, right? Because I I don't have anything concrete because it's hard to find any info about these movies because they're fucking Netflix movies and they don't make behind the scenes. And Netflix, start fucking doing it, okay? But anyways. Well, with him in particular, I can say I did find a little bit of behind the scenes video for the sequel and they've literally got him and McGee and he's like, I was thinking about when I come in, I'm going to turn like this right, and I'm going to say right. this. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, okay, let's shoot it. <laughs> I also saw where they would film scenes and he would just like, he would do it. And then you could tell him like, was about to say cut. And then he would just start, start saying different versions. And some of the different versions were in the movie. So yep. I, I think he wings it. And I think it's that whole like skit short, you know, like that's what he, what he came up from. But I totally. hope to see the guy in more movies because he's fucking hilarious. I guess the last two people, I wanted to cover mom and dad. They don't have the biggest roles, but they're famous to most of us. So the mom's played by Leslie Bibb, who's in The Skulls, Trick or Treat, Risk Cutters, Love Story, Talladega Nights, small roles in Iron Man 1 and 2. I liked her law-abiding citizen tag, Jupiter's Legacy. That was that dark superhero show on Netflix. that a like, bunch of random shit. Some of it's horror adjacent, but she's usually pretty funny. She's funny in this with the few lines she gets. <laughs> and the dad, played by fucking Ken Marino. He's also been in a bunch of shit because they're just both funny comedic actors that usually get side characters, you know, but he was famous for the state. I love that skit comedy show in the nineties party down. He's hilarious in that bad Milo, which Josh covered on the podcast. Yeah, it did. And I'm always reminded on my annual Disney trip that he is the guy recording the Aerosmith album on the rock and roller coaster ride. When you're like walking the studio, have you, you've ridden that roller coaster, right? I've, I've still never been to Disney. Oh, for some reason, I thought sometimes you guys went there. No, 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 not yet. I know you like roller coasters. So yeah, like you yeah. might have rode that one. So there's a, you walk in, it's like you're in the studio and they had Aerosmith come record this whole thing. And it's, it's like you're talking to him, right? Okay. And Ken Marino's so fucking young because the ride's old. He, I don't even know if he'd done anything besides the state at that point. But he's like the record guy, you know, and he's like, let's get in the limo, you know? And Okay. So it's I, my um, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, like it was a big family trip this year, went and they had never been in that room or whatever. And like, so we were just recently talking about it. I'm like, yeah, it's Ken Marino. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, I didn't write down special effects. I don't, I like I said, it's Netflix. It's harder to look up. I don't think it was anybody famous. There's not a lot of crazy shit in here. No, there's a lot of, a lot of CGI blood in both these movies. Yeah, there's there's a decent mix in some of it. Though. Like, I saw the bottom of the scene. Part of when dude's fucking improv is when he, uh, in the second movie, where he gets the antlers and shit. And they yeah. had, like, the horns coming out in the eyes. And, like, oh, that yeah. was all practical. And they had they sprayed blood on it to run down. They just enhance it, right? Yeah. Enhance. <laughs> enhance. You can do that with AI now, by the way. Enhance the real thing. <laughs> it's I've scary. seen I've seen the blurriest fucking JPEG you've ever seen upskilled to 8K perfectly. <laughs> Blow your fucking mind. Oh, we're all going to be in the pods one day. It's not as bad. It could get bad. Like Skynet tier, it's nowhere near though. Like the school I work at, I had to basically become the expert on it. And like, I have to meet with the teachers about it. And I play with it a whole lot. And it's a lot of fun. And it can't think people. Can't no, think. no, it can't think. What I'm more afraid of is, is people are going to create things and be like, see uh-huh. what that politician just said. Let's go to war. Most of detectable might not be eventually, but that's the fears. Where will we be? 15, 20 years from now. Anyways, that is unrelated. <laughs> we were talking about special effects and AI. What is related is the little bit of BTS I could get on this film, primarily from interviews with the cast. Fuck and yeah, K-pop. Wait, what? Huh? No, no, no. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Okay, okay. For 
Josh and anybody else who <laughs> might not be in the know, apparently. You're a professional, goddammit. Um, <laughs> so Mick G read the script, loved it, wanted to make it. He partnered with Frenzy at New Line, and it was originally going to be a New Line movie. And he I'm wanted, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he wanted a wide release for Babysitter. Okay. And somewhere in there, they also had friends that worked like high up at Netflix. And he was thinking about how far he wanted to go with this movie. And he didn't think theater would be the best place for it. Okay. So they partnered with Netflix. So Netflix was in really early on. It's not like they made the movie and they couldn't get it out and then Netflix bought it. So it's a it's a true Netflix original, he said, okay. uh, like verbatim. But it wasn't originally, like, they didn't outsource to make the movie. He, they just ended up partnering with them. He just thought it would be too weird and that <laughs> the cost for marketing nowadays is insane. Oh, yeah. And it's like a niche movie. And he's like, what I would have to pay to market this movie versus it popping up on the coming soon on Netflix. And I think it spoke for itself. That's like a sequel. <laughs> but he's really big on streaming. Like, a lot of the bigger directors are against streaming. You've heard recently over the years, and, and you get mixed thoughts, but McG's actually really big in a streaming as a platform, and he sees it as like a reliable, meaningful way to release content because TVs and surround sound systems used to be expensive, and now everybody has them. Yeah. And some people, you and your wife are prime examples, don't want to go to the fucking theater, right? <laughs> we just don't like people. <laughs> right? And it's like, so you got a new movie coming out, like your new HBO movie every Saturday or whatever, and you can kick it up at your house, turn down the lights, watch your you know 75-inch TV and crack, crank up the sound bar of the, the surround sound system and, and fucking enjoy a movie. And, you know, he just felt like this would work really well like that. Speaking of. What? A local ISP has gotten their grant for their portion of the Rural Broadband Development Act. And my street is slated for fucking fiber. Hell yes. They're already three months behind, <laughs> but I'm on the list. Weather's been kind of <laughs> shit, so I can see that. But that's awesome, though. You're going to have real internet here. Yeah, then I'll be able to stream stuff on our projector. <laughs> right, right. Anyways, Mick G, like I said, started out with music videos and became friends with Quentin Tarantino. And that is how he got his big break. But he was also really big into Grindhouse movies yep. in that era. So, obviously, he's in those, like, Quentin Tarantino grindhouse parties at his home theater, right? Yep. That, that's that we part, talked about. That's part of why they're friends, and it was uh, the production company he was shooting for for him back then as uh, a band apart. Yeah. And um, he really wanted Babysitter to go the grindhouse route, like, straight up. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he hopes he harnessed it. He really wanted to make sure he had actual kids play the kids, which is funny because by the time the second one comes out, they're too old. But that was that was unintentional because he remembers when he was a kid, because I think he's about the same age as us. He Probably. remembers watching movies with kids being the heroes, like Stand By Me and, and stuff like that. And the like, gate. Yeah, and you could see yourself in it, right? And yeah. like he liked that vibe. And, and he's like, even Stranger Things, like I get it watching Stranger Things now, and I'm sure there's a lot of kids that get it. And he likes seeing the kid become the hero, right? Yeah. And I, I thought this was really interesting. And this is what I was talking about. Like, this movie really harnesses his vibe or style. <laughs> McGee said that he likes making films that don't fit in any box. Yep. And everyone usually thinks he's fucking crazy. Like, the producers in the studios, when he's making a movie, he said he almost got fired more than 10 fucking times on the set of Trolley's Angels. Because <laughs> they would watch the dailies and show up and like, what the fuck are you doing? Is this serious? Is it a remake? Is it a comedy? Why the fuck do they know Kung Fu? Right? Like... <laughs> And, and like, you know, they would get pissed and then they would like something about it. They just kind of let them keep going. And that movie was really, really successful. And it definitely doesn't fit in a box. And um, he says he's going to put humor into everything with no exception. Like Chuck was a fine example of like yes. not fitting in a box. 
Terminator Salvation fits in a box, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think he was allowed. It was Terminator. I don't think he was, they let him go hang. Oh on yeah, it. yeah, that was a lot of people's money. Um, he loves to make music a character in his films. Yeah, same thing with Chuck. That was that way. I mean, he wasn't the director of Chuck, but he was the executive producer. He directed. Maybe it was just the first one, but music is a character in that, and it is definitely a character in this movie. The music is done so well, and livens up some of the scenes one of my favorite scenes is in josh's movie and it's (laughs) fucking hilarious hearing that song but he didn't have a lot of money to make this movie as you can imagine but he knew one thing that he wanted we are the champions by queen to play at the end like during that final scene of the movie and everyone on set and (laughs) netflix and everybody's like you were fucking nuts there is no fucking way we're going to be able to afford this don't even ask so he wrote a letter to the three remaining members of queen sent it to him. They knew who he was. And he's like, I'm working on this movie for Netflix and it's got a kid in it as the star and he's bullied and he has to grow to become the hero. And I know (laughs) Freddie Mercury was really big against bullying. Yeah. And I think he would love for this fucking song to be in this movie, especially the way I'm going to do it. I think you guys would love it too. And they gave it to him like dirt fucking cheap. Like they they, they took royalties for it, but like a fraction of what they would normally charge for. Yeah. So that's how you got a queen song. (laughs) And this movie, twice, actually. That's what I say. Motherfucker was playing yeah. a long game. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, they're probably just, it speaks all, he was a he was a music video director originally, right? So yep. they probably know him from that. And he's had some big movies. So, uh, and if you can write a compelling letter, you can, you can get shit done, you know? So I thought it was really neat when I heard that. There's some things he said that I thought was neat that weren't necessarily related to the, this movie franchise. My notes aren't really in order of this. Okay. So I might bounce back and forth, but, um. They were talking about TV shows on one of the interviews because, like, Supernatural and stuff and what he thought was the sweet spot for episode counts because we've talked about that several times. And he said 8 to 13, which is – that's the spot I feel like. Yeah. Which on, is interesting. On Netflix. Which is in well, general. Yeah. I mean, like, any, any – like, HBO shows, like, all shows been long. I don't like 24-episode seasons or whatever. Yeah. Which is funny because Supernatural is known for having them long fucking seasons and that was his show. But he thinks 8 to 13 is the sweet spot. Yeah. He says it's really fucking hard to make sequels. <laughs> <laughs> like, like – He's always reluctant to do it. He was reluctant to make Charlie's Angels 2 full throttle. Right? He's like, I fucking went crazy and it worked. Like, what are you doing the second one? Right? <laughs> Didn't the second one kind of bomb? Yeah. It, it did well, but it was because the first one was so big, everybody went open a weekend. Right? Okay. Uh, but it wasn't as, as well received. But it was still a fine movie. Terminator <laughs> Salvation. He had to follow after Jim. Cam- he said Jim Cameron in the interview. <laughs> And uh, he's like, who the fuck wants to have to follow after him, man? Because, you know, this movie ignores all the other sequels and is, you know, kind of in line with Terminator 1 and 2. I heard he beat up a tea lady. (laughs) (laughs) The fuck? Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, so that actually came up. He was getting interviewed for the second Babysitter movie. So I might have should have saved that for your film. But it was just interesting because he was scared to do it at first. But on that note, he said he, when they came together to come up with the, the movie, it had three beats of the story. We've seen two of the beats. The third beat's already made. Not li- physically made, but like they're ready to roll. Yup. If the second one was loved as much as the first and they want it, there is a third part of the story to conclude it that was planned from the get-go. So that's kind of neat. And without diving into your movie, because I think I accidentally tiptoed, I'll save the rest of them for if you don't say it or if it, it comes up in your <laughs> nah, movie. No, that's cool, man. You've already, already done three of my four behind the scenes. Have I really? <laughs> I really only found four. Th- oh, no, shit. I, I'm fucking with you, though. So this movie, like the last few I've done, I'm, I'm sensing a pattern here. 
has like a log line blurb and like a tagline. I don't know what's accurate. It's hard to tell at the Netflix movies anyways, yeah. right? Because it, it, yeah, it was on Netflix. But <laughs> the long one, because there always seems to be a long and a short one, is when Cole stays up past his bedtime, he discovers that his hot babysitter belongs to a satanic cult that will stop at nothing to keep him quiet. <laughs> That sounds like the log line you'd give a producer. So we'll call that the log line. The tagline, as it's listed, is dream girls can be a nightmare. (laughs) So I don't know. All right. So we open up the movie with our introduction to Cole and the hilarious school nurse, which I I probably should have fucking wrote his name down, but he pops up in the sequel. Maybe Josh did better than me, but he's he's funnier in the sequel. Okay, okay. He's funnier in the second one, but he's funny here as well. But the the main point of this scene is to see that Cole is absolutely fucking terrified of needles and getting shots because he's in there to get a flu shot, right? And I immediately identify with his character in ways (laughs) the audience is not ready to understand. But it's a real quick scene with a lot of laughs, and we quickly get to see that he's also bullied at school by the rest of the kids. Taking balls to the face. Yeah, yeah, and that's a reoccurring theme. Well, not at... (laughs) God damn it, Josh. (laughs) Athletic balls. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. (laughs) Sports equipment to the head with the word pussy yelled in the background by the bully is a reoccurring theme throughout the movies. There we go. I pulled us back on track. (laughs) It doesn't matter after you derailed it three times, but... (laughs) Wait till I start talking about Phoebe showing Cole her bunny. <laughs> oh my god, that whole scene, like the uh, implied sex scene, is fantastic. Wilhelm screaming all. Yes. Anyways, we're not to that movie. We're a minute and fifteen seconds into mine. So chill it, man. Oh, but we meet his friend Melanie, who is spitting out some crazy facts about history to him and letting him know that people don't learn shit in school. They learn everything from the internet, which that kind of goes into his character later. And we see her douchebag dad as he shows up in his high school dream sports car. What muscle car is it, Josh? It's a Chevelle. Okay. And his okay. name's Juan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he had a name until the second one, but it's fucking I don't better. Know Juan. Whatever. Whoa, that's like the Spanish version of my name. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> he got the dream car and the divorce to make his ex-wife jealous, but it didn't work because it's a car, as his daughter says. And uh, he won't give Cole a ride, and he's a real big douchebag about it. <laughs> there was a behind-the-scenes shot I saw where they're shooting that, and he's like, uh, that Melanie's like, can he have a ride? And he's like, of course, I'm not going to leave a kid stranded. And then like the actress looks at him because it's not his line. And he starts to lean the seat up and he goes, fuck off, Cole. And he starts pulling it. God, we're kicking our mics and everything. And I have a feeling like if you're on a McG movie, you get to have fun the whole time. That's oh, what I yeah. gathered uh, from this and the hundreds of hours of Chuck behind the scenes that I <laughs> fucking mainlined. But... On the way home from school, since he has to walk, can't get a ride from Juan, uh, <laughs> we're introduced to the school bully, Jeremy, and his bike, Cindy. And this is not the same person that hit him in the head with the sporting equipment <laughs> in the earlier scene. And um, he calls him colonoscopy. There's a lot of, lot of colon versions of Cole's name that he does that are pretty funny. And he's trying to talk shit and he's got his little fucking henchman with him. But Cole's really quick to hit back on him while being like super serious and like nerdy <laughs> about it. 
um, like they say something about balls. He's like, why are you so interested in my balls? <laughs> it's like, we're not, I wouldn't be interested in your balls. You just said you were, right? It's the whole fucking back and forth is amazing. And somewhere in there, he's saying he's banging the sophomore and like Cole's just calling bullshit on that as well. Yes. And, um, he knocks over Cole or something. Jeremy does. I think he pushes him over. He hits him. And then we see B walk up in slow-mo. You know, it's it's Samara weaving. So, like, she's hot walking in. Like, they, <laughs> they knew what they were doing on that shot. And um, she walks up. She's like, are you fucking with my buddy Cole? And she's like, if you ever touch Cole again, I'm going to do this to you. And she leans in and whispers in Jeremy's ear. And we don't get to hear it. Uh-uh. But his face goes straight to terrified and he's like bitch you fucked up or crazy or something <laughs> it's fantastic and uh i love that whole little back and forth and we yes. actually got a lot of setup in that first few minutes there and we can see that b actually cares about cole for the like this is the first time we see her but you can see there's an legitimate care for him i feel like in yes open and seeing there's a few other like important things like that you're supposed to catch on this little quick throwing at you these kids always bully him they egg his house regularly, but the most important thing she tells him is that the next time a bully fucks with him to take off running, dive on the ground like a sack of potatoes, and hit him in the dick. Kick him in the dick. But B asked about his parents on the on the ride home and their date night, and he's talking about how they always go to a hotel, and he says, you know, he thinks they're having sex, and there's some jokes about that, and then I don't remember how they start talking about, like, paying for sex, but he's like... <laughs> He says that B is basically his Protestant because <laughs> she's paid to hang out with him. <laughs> and it's a funny joke, and it comes back up later. And um, somewhere in here, he talks about his treehouse getting torn down because, like, on the curb in front of his house, the roof is sitting there in a perfect ramp shape, right? Yeah. So you find out that he thinks he's too old for the, for the treehouse. And uh, most importantly, we find out that tomorrow night is party time and that he likes a rack. Oh, yeah, and E.T. fingers, right? Like, that's their thing. And also, Melanie lives across the street, and her dad's still a douche. And he's, like, slow-mo holding the water hose, like his dick spraying at his yes. car while looking at Cole. It's like, what the fuck? I think Meg G might be one of my favorite directors, man. <laughs> like, what am I, five minutes into this movie already? And, like, so much important information has been thrown in. It has. With 50 jokes. Yep. <laughs> But at home, we get to meet Cole's parents, and first his mom's in the crawl space under the house in my own personal hell full of giant spiders. And actually, I don't remember how I read what kind of tarantula they are, but they're the same kind from Temple of Doom. Oh, okay. So I thought it was neat. Some like redwood tarantula or something. But the mom's not worried about all the fucking giant tarantulas down there. She just wants more rat traps, and she's putting rat traps down there. So I don't know how they have a rat problem with that many fucking tarantulas, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And... He wants to know if she thinks he's a pussy. And she wants to know if he knows what the word pussy means. And he's like, yeah, it's someone who's scared of shit. <laughs> and then somewhere, I don't know, she tries to give him advice. And he's like, by the way, mom, I know what pussy means. <laughs> and I'm not retarded. Right? That's what he yeah. says. I know, by the way, mom, I know what pussy means. I'm not retarded. Yeah, and she's I, like. I know pussy means vagina. <laughs> yeah, I know pussy means vagina. I'm not retarded. That's what he says. And she starts to get really mad. And she's like, Cole, don't you ever say retarded. <laughs> Her reaction to the whole thing is great there, though. My God, he said pussy. Dad's trying to give him driving lessons in a parking lot. Like, we cut straight <laughs> to that. And uh, he doesn't move. It's a giant empty parking lot, and you can tell it's where everybody does donuts. Or dad, maybe. That's <laughs> what we're about to see in a second. And um, he turns the car off and doesn't drive. Dad's like, okay, let's swap seats. He's like, I'm really proud of you, though. You at least put the seatbelt on and started the car this time. Yep. Right? Because Paul's afraid of everything. 
his dad wants to know if the kids at school make fun of him for having a babysitter. And he's like, yeah, until they see her. And then they're all jealous. And he's like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and then there's some joke about, I think I always wanted to be a cop because it's time for donuts. <laughs> and he just starts doing donuts in the parking lot. <laughs> Ken Marino, you can make anything funny. Yes. Even butt demons. <laughs> yeah. The movie's so ridiculous. <laughs> My face when you told me you wanted to cover that and what it was about. I'm like, um, what? <laughs> that night, we can see this dad's watching Mad Men on his laptop or iPad or something to bed while mom's doing something else. And he's trying to explain to Cole because Cole's like interested in what dad's watching and wanting to know. And he's like, it's just, it's really dense and mature. And I don't think you can get it. Maybe when you're older, we could watch it, kiddo. And uh, his mom somewhere in here tells him to pick up his toys in the hallway and there's an absurd amount of toys so much that it looks like a home alone trap <laughs> and a couple rc cars and he picks up like one car on the way to his room and um marathons madmen all night without going to sleep the next morning however we cut to him trying to modify his rc car by cutting part of the body off with a butcher knife to make it more aerodynamic so that if it hit the crash zone on a ramp perfectly, it would do this cool spiral right <laughs> and he's doing it with an expensive knife that dad takes away and puts in the dishwasher. And this is all foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. Every fucking bit of it. <laughs> in such an over-the-head way that it makes it funny later. Yes. On the school bus ride, Cole and Melanie are talking about how his parents go away, and he thinks it's just to do it, just to have sex. And uh, Melanie says probably, and they probably have sex when you're at home, too. And uh, you know B has sex, like, all the time she has to. <laughs> and I uh, bet she has sex when you go to sleep when she's babysitting you, because that's what babysitters do is the kid goes to sleep, and their boyfriends come over, and they have sex. And uh, they agree that he should be a perv and fake asleep that night and go spot him. Yeah. Right? Because she gets him to do it. It's like her idea. Then when he says he's going to do it, she's like, you fucking perv. <laughs> Speaking of spying, <laughs> this movie really does jump a lot at the beginning to get going. But it's oh, not yeah. bad. Like, reading it the way I'm reading it, it seems bad. <laughs> it literally happens the way I, I wrote my notes. But, it like, it's it's pretty seamless and fluid in the movie. That's Mick G style. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> But uh, he's spying on B as she comes walking on the mini mart with this really nerdy guy. And she's like touching him and stuff like it's her boyfriend or she likes him. And he looks a bit jealous. Also, pussy. <laughs> he gets fucking hit in the head with a piece of sporting equipment. <laughs> and it's the same bully yelling it, right? Like, so he's like, <laughs> it's so funny because out of nowhere. Um, honestly, though, when I saw this scene and when I, I knew the. The previous, you knew the plot, what was going to happen. Yeah. I kind of thought this was like the kid she used to babysit, and he's older yeah, now, right? Exactly. As, which would have made the movie darker. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not, though. Here's another. We go back home, apparently, at this point. And uh, his parents are trying to get ready to leave, and they're delayed because dad's looking for a couple things, but really just wants to take his jorts. And B shows <laughs> up, and we find out that if there's any trouble, we need to call the Hyatt. Living large, right? Like, to, to get a hold of mom. And um, dad lets him know that he's the man of the house now, right? Trying to make him son toughen up a bit. We get a little montage, and we see him rocking out and doing goofy dances together, swimming, checking out B in a bikini, because, you know, he's a guy. It's going to happen. Um, they make homemade pizza that looks like could be delicious. I miss making homemade pizza. <laughs> and uh, they have a conversation coming up with their intergalactic dream team to fight the big bad in a spaceship, right? And it's a really funny conversation, and you can tell that they both legitimately know their shit, which you expect from Cole, but, like, B's nerd movie and TV show knowledge is, like, off the chain, right? Yes. Like, she went the extra mile for this setup here, right? 
Yeah, see, we grew up in a time where you couldn't know all that and be hot. It just didn't <laughs> exist back back in our day. But uh, yeah, it's like you could tell that she either's really into this stuff or went the extra mile to set up what's coming. But I honestly <laughs> think she's into it. Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. We can see though that uh, B not only has a team, she has an epic plan, and she knows these characters well, like Ripley and the Xenomorph and all sorts of shit, and it's awesome. <laughs> and at this point, I want to say. That every song pairing with a scene that we've gotten, including this montage, has been off the fucking chain and like fits perfectly. And you can really tell Big G made music videos for a living originally. Totally. I never realized there's so much of an art to it until I watched this with that in mind. But they even have like this badass movie theater party outside with a ridiculous amount of fog rolling in. It kind of reminds me of uh, American Horror Story Hotel when they're like at the cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> the, like, the vampire scene there. Uh, but they're watching this old Western. I, I've watched this one with my dad a hundred times. I can't think of the name Billy of it. Billy Jack. Billy Jack, yeah. I'm going to yep. kick you on this side of the head of the side of the foot. I think your dad actually quoted a uh-huh. lot to me before my dad did. Uh-huh. And I think I'd have watched it at your house with, with, with Barry. So uh, good fond memory of that one. And... um they're acting the movie out, though, as they're watching it, and they're lip-syncing the lines and air-fighting, and you can tell that they've been doing this shit together for a long time, right? Since he was in diapers. Since he was in diapers. Makes everything else weirder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> later, they talk about his parents, and what if they're getting a divorce, because Cole doesn't think his parents are happy, and that's why they have to like go off and have little retreats, and um, he doesn't realize that it's just hard sometimes with kids to, to have a life. <laughs> Anyways, that's me... Uh, Having a little bit of self-reflection there, but B tells him he should hook up with Melanie. (laughs) And I don't know. They go on and on about that a little bit and divorce and he'd be fine, right? Like she thinks he'd be a good kid, but she's really fucking tired and it's time to go to bed. And he's like, well, I'm not tired. And she's like, well, how about I give you a shot? And she says it like she's probably done this before. Yeah. And like he wouldn't think it's weird. And he's like, okay. And he's like, but it's going to take a double. And she's like, all right. And she goes and gets him a double and brings it to him. And he's like, you're not going to drink one with me? Sends her back into the kitchen, and when she closes the door, he pours it in a plant, right? Like a pussy. (laughs) Let's just go with the theme of that for now. And uh, she comes in with a shot, and he's, like, coughing and acting like he just took a shot of bourbon or something. And she's like, you took it without me, you ass. And he's like, I was ready to go to bed. And she takes her shot, and somewhere he's like, I do this with my dad all the time. She's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And um, I don't know. He goes up to his room because it's time to go to bed. He's supposed to be drunk now. And he FaceTimes Melanie across the street, and they make the plan for him to be a perv, because she keeps calling him a pervert, to sneak down and spot him. And B comes in, and he fakes like he's tired, and he thanks her for knowing him and treating him like he's okay and a normal person. And she seems, like, genuinely, like, upset that he feels that way about himself. Yes. And tries to let him know that he is the cool kind of weird, and that when he's older, chicks are really going to, like, be into him, right? Because the matureness and stuff will catch up. Yeah, totally. But now it's time for bed. (laughs) Okay, so now it's time for the party, right? we got enough backstory here. So, um... (laughs) Time passes by. You just see the clock spinning. I don't remember how much time goes by. And he hears the doorbell, and he texts Melanie and says they're here. And she's like, you know, go spy on the orgy or time for the orgy or something. Yes. So before he texts her back, he has to Google what an orgy is because he doesn't know (laughs) and makes a funny face and then sneaks down, right? He's watching from, like, the railing on the second floor. And we're now introduced to the rest of the cast as they play Spin the Bottle with sound effects and cool title pop-ups, right? Like that's a funny thing in these movies. And you can see that like Max is the stereotypical jock. Allison's the hot cheerleader. 
John's the he's the token black guy. He is. He really is. <laughs> and then Sonya's like the artsy friend, right? Like she's the Daria of the group or whatever, right? <laughs> so like they kind of like they hit the head. I, I don't know why he's Daria from Beavis and Butthead. I'm sure there's a lot of slasher movie references. Hey, 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 she got her own show. She did. She did. <laughs> but like they hit like the the group of people you usually see in these movies. Like even Night of the Demons, you had the artsy chick, right? Yes. Like they, they had to make sure they hit everything on the head. And we also see the nerdy guy from the Minimart whose name is Samuel, and you only know because it popped up on the fucking screen right there. They do normal who-do-you-want-to-bang type questions, right, for the truths, um, until it's Max's turn, and he dares B to kiss everyone in the room. So Max gets a quick peck on the lips with a Godfather 2 quote that is not from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And uh, fucking, you know, Cole catches it, right? And he's like, I love this woman. And Allison gets a full I-want-candy soundtrack makeout session with visible tongue and like trading the gum back and forth and <laughs> all the guys are staring everybody's staring in the room right and um, everybody's hard or what <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ josh and the uh, other guys are freaking out and john knows his terms coming up so he's like pulling out the chapstick and prepping his lips he's like oh i gotta get ready for this shit oh oh longer longer don't want to think you're short yeah yeah, yeah put it on put it on <laughs> yeah he's fucking hilarious and uh <laughs> And she gets to him and, like, licks up his face and up his forehead. And it's so funny because he's like, I wanted some of that hot shit. Your breath do be smelling good, though. I like that spit. Right? He's not even bothered by it. And Sonya gets a slow peck on the forehead. And then she crawls on all fours to Samuel, who freaks out and runs away. And he's like, this shit is weird. I don't even know any of you people. Right? But B tries to calm him down, much like she was doing with Cole earlier and talk him up. And... Um, she goes in for the kiss with his eyes closed. Cause she's like, close your eyes. And he's like, they're still there. And he's like, it doesn't matter. And she gives them a kiss and they have a little mini makeout session actually. And then she pulls back with two big ass fucking daggers in her hand and stabs him into both sides of his fucking head. And, um, there's a, what the fuck that pops up on the screen, like a big text next to Cole. And we hear Samuel crying in pain. And it's like really sad the way the, the guy did it as an actor. And, Fucking Samara even like growls and Uh shit. Like she got dark real fast. And um, she tells him that that he's he's feeling a great porpoise or or purpose. (laughs) She says purpose. He thinks porpoise. (laughs) And she's like, poor child, you don't even know the greatness you died for. Because he's like so brain dead at this point. Dude, I do have to say when it gets to this part of the movie the first time seeing it, because I didn't know shit about it other than like, oh, this is a wild ride. It's Mick G. You got to see yeah, it. Yeah. And it gets to that. And I'm literally like, what the fuck? As what the fuck comes up on the screen. Right. That felt so good the yeah. first time. Yeah, it's very organic. Because, <laughs> I mean, I hadn't seen the movie in a while when I watched it, you know, a month ago, whatever, the first time. And I said, what the fuck again? Like, it happened <laughs> twice. But, uh... <laughs> Max and John walk up with goblets on each side of them, right? And she's like, you ready? And she pulls the daggers out. And <laughs> Max's side, the blood is just like calmly flowing out of the hole in those goblet, filling it up. And <laughs> John's got like some drips going in his. And he's like, what the fuck? My side's broken. And he starts tapping it like he's getting a vein ready for a needle. And then it just starts to fucking hose him in the face. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like a super soaker. Yeah, he gets nuked. But basically, we find out that they're there to make a deal with the devil. And Allison's dumb as shit while being hilarious. John is leaning into the token black thing hard. Max is fucking insane. And there's an evil old one-of-a-kind only devil book with verses they have to recite. And uh, now it's time to go get the blood of the innocent. 
oh, I understand the plot now. <laughs> and, and Cole gets like a record scratch thing and fucking runs for his room, right? Yeah, he understands the plot now too. Yeah. <laughs> and they did like the chest mounted GoPro thing. Yes. Right. And it's like, he's fucking running around and he's freaking out. And he's hyperventilating. Fucking smashing pumpkins, 1979. <laughs> yes. So many action war flicks, though, around this time, too, or just before this. Yes. But he runs upstairs to call 911, and he's freaking the fuck out, and he tells them what is up, where his parents are, how to get a hold of them, and that he needs help. 911's very receptive to all this. She's helping him, and she tells him to stay hidden, and he'll be safe. And he's like, I have to stop him. She's like, wait, no, and he hangs up. (laughs) And he grabs this little pocket knife that my son has one. That's obviously from, like, Cub Scout, like, knife training class, right? This little sissy knife. And he's going to climb out the second story window. Still got the GoPro going on the chest. And he looks down and he says he's out. And then he hears the fucking kids coming for him, dives in his bed and fakes asleep. They all come into the room and we find out that his booze was drugged. So he was supposed to drink it and be unconscious and passed out for the whole night. And that they're not going to kill him. They just need to take a little bit of his blood. And they have the needle ready. And he hears that and you see his eyes open up and it close up. He's like, fuck, they got a needle? Because like he uh-huh. freaks out. How am I going to stay still? And um, <laughs> Max like, let's just fucking kill him. We can get blood faster that way. <laughs> and B's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hurt him, you know? And she gently does the needle, right? Like she's trying to take care of him. And she lets them know that if they keep him alive, they have a permanent well of innocent blood, right? Like all she has to do is babysit him, drug him, take a little bit of blood. They can make another wish right yup but Cole tusks it out through the whole blood drawing and B kisses his boo-boo on his arm and they head out but she notices the open window right yup and closes the door he then hops up tries to make a rope with the blankets on his bed to crawl out to safety and he gets ready to climb out and he starts walking and the camera's doing a really good job of like not showing behind him and then it kind of pans around and we can see B just standing there like a slasher and she's like what are you doing Cole and he gets dizzy and passes out right yup which they say something about blood sugar from the blood getting drawn and there's the whole cookie scene coming up, but really it's blood pressure. <laughs> your blood pressure is low after your blood gets taken and that's why you get faint. Yep. Science people. But he wakes up tied to the chair and they're all staring at him and all he wants to know is why Max doesn't have a fucking shirt on. Because <laughs> Max had a shirt on and he's randomly just standing there without a shirt on. It's fucking great. Even Bella Thorne's like, have you looked at the man? Jesus. <laughs> yes. You know? And they give him a cookie and Sonya like force feeds it to him because it's going to help with the blood sugar, blood pressure, and <laughs> and make him feel better from fainting. And B is basically trying to convince him that he hallucinated a bunch of shit. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Okay. So I'm making fun of it, but maybe like plot wise, she's trying to trick the kid into thinking it was blood sugar. Yeah. And, and he hallucinated shit. I, that was actually more intelligent than I thought. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I take back all of that. Um <laughs> But yeah, Sonia force feeds him a cookie because he won't eat it, and John thinks it's hot, but odd. Because he, he just apparently needs to get laid. <laughs> it's a recurrent theme in these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how the fucking forces a good win the second one. Uh, <laughs> but he tries to bullshit his way out, and she can tell that he's lying because I think they addressed it earlier in the movie, but even if they didn't, they definitely do it now, that he always looks away when he's lying, and she's known him his whole life. Yep. So she knows when he's lying. And and while he's trying to bullshit her, he's trying to saw the rope behind the chair with his knife. And Allison's like, this is so cute. He doesn't realize we can see him in the mirror behind him. And then he starts sawing faster. And she's like, oh, my God, it's so adorable. He's doing it faster. <laughs> McGee's fucking great, bro. Because you know, like, that shit's more directed than screenplay written. I say that, but I don't know. It would have to be. I feel like it. it's just so in line with what he does. Yeah. 
versus the other movies the screenplay writers made. Exactly. Lee says, don't worry about it. I'm not going to tell my parents that you guys were having an orgy and needed my blood for it. <laughs> and she's like, Cole, do you know what an orgy is? And he explains it in a very sarcastic way about something sad people do to try to make themselves feel better. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And Max's like, that is an awesome answer, kid. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> Max is my favorite, man. Max just needed so He needed to join fucking Big Brothers and Big Sisters. He just yeah. needed a little brother, man. He could have had a different path. Uh <laughs> Because hey, we're really about to see all that here in a bit. Because this, <laughs> yes. this movie, this movie moves rapidly, as, as you've seen and about to see. But um, B says that she just needed his blood for a science project, and he's like, "Well, why didn't you just ask me? I would have given it to you if it was for a science project." Oh, and she's like, yeah, "I knew you didn't like needles." And she's like, "Untie him, guys!" And they go to untie him, and the cops start to pull up. Right, the lights are flashing, the siren. She's like, "You called the cops, Cole," and. B looks at her friends like he saw shit if he called the cops. There's no reason why he would have done it. And he starts to yell for help. Cole does. And then Max, like 300, this is Sparta, kicks him in the fucking chest, which would have crushed his chest and knocks him like, way far back because he's still tied to the chair. And the cops kick in the door and bust in and pull guns on John. They point him straight at the black guy in the room. <laughs> and do. he even comments on it. And um, Max says... Here we go. And he chunks a fire poker. Like, this is what he was here for. Right into a cop's eye. And he starts to scream and twitch and fires the gun, accidentally shooting Allison in the pit, launching her across the room like it's a Barrett 50 cow. <laughs> Titty gone! Titty gone! It's so funny. She, like, wire foo flies back so hard from that fucking pistol. Uh, but Max has this crazy smile on his face and starts holding up finger guns when they're telling him to like remain calm the other cop holding the gun he's like finger gunning at him and um b sneaks up behind him while max is distracting him being crazy and slits his throat and he's a gusher and he plays blood all over john and he's like if you do the math i have aids now he's explaining like how many people yes. how many people have aids and you get to just continually see how fucking crazy max is as he's like fucking with the fire poker in the other cop's head yes <laughs> And yanks it out, and then dispatch calls in on the radio, wanting to know what's going on, right? B tells Max to pick the radio up and ask Cole, what's the code for all clear? And John's like, yeah, he's a nerd. He'd know all that shit. And he lies, and I don't remember what code he gives, but I looked it up. It's man down. Oh, okay. Okay, because they don't, they don't say it, but B bust him because he looked away, and he wasn't telling the truth. Yup. And she asked him, like, what's the code for all clear again? And he says a code number, and I, maybe that one's right. <laughs> I guess because she believed him, but then she changes it to what's the code for I'm going to go get food. And he's like, code seven. And uh, Max is like, yeah, we're all good here. We're going for a code seven. And I was like, all right, enjoy your double-double, which is a famous sandwich from In-N-Out Burger. I looked up. Oh, okay. The only thing I know about them is animal style. <laughs> what? Animal style. Animal style. You get the burger and you get fries on it. Oh, I didn't know about it. I don't know anything about In-N-Out Burger. I know there's one opening geographically close to us somewhere. Really? Not super close, but if it's as good as they say, we'll make a trip. Okay. But anyways, did I mention titty down? <laughs> titty down. Because <laughs> Allison starts to freak out, wanting to know what kind of dick shoots a chick in the boob, and she wants them to stick a tampon in it so she won't bleed out. Sonny's like, she's about to bleed out and die, y'all. And uh, she wants an ambulance to save her boob because no dude's going to want to motorboat these, right? <laughs> And John would either way. He wants to she'd take it fast or slow. <laughs> so funny. And Cole takes his chance to run up the stairs. B says go get him, and John goes to chase him. And if you remember, he left all the toys on the 
on the floor upstairs, including an, another RC car, right? Yup. And John goes to chase him, steps on the car, slips, falls off in super slow-mo, and lands on a trophy that goes through his neck, killing him. Well, right through the jugular, as Max says. He's like, oh, the jugular! (laughs) And uh, he smiles while he says, that motherfucker's crazy. And then B sends Max after him. And he's super excited he gets to kill the kid with his bare hands, as he says. And he chases him upstairs. (laughs) And Cole locks the door and he's trying to go out the window, right? And um, B's like, take care of him while I clean all this shit up. Which is kind of important because everything vanishes in a bit. But it's covered. Cole's trying to climb out his window down the blankets. And he actually goes out the window this time and starts to do it. But Max busts out the window, grabs the blanket rope, and starts to pull it up while he's trying to climb down. At the last second, when Cole's in, like, grabbing range, the blanket rips, and he falls really hard his back, knocking the wind out. And Max's like, oh, sorry, buddy. Deep breaths. <laughs> Deep breaths in and out. And that's where Josh is talking about how oh, he just need to be in part of Big Brothers Big Sisters. Because he, he's trying to teach the kid what to do, and the wind gets knocked out. And then he rushes downstairs and outside to chase Cole down to kill him. Cole hides for a little bit. I think it's in the garage, shed, something like that. And so he finds Samuel's dead body propped up in there. And then he has to dig around for improvised weapons or tools. And he finds a Zippo and a big-ass firework that had a ridiculous name. I don't remember what it was because you're distracted by popping up. Hell yeah, real big on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) And it, like, freeze frames when it does these. It's great. Yes. We then see him run to the crawl space where his mom was earlier in the movie. And he's got a a power drill in his hand, right? Because there's a screw on screen like big hard metal one right and he's uh taking the screws out and he crawls in the hole and he puts the screen back up from the inside it's not screwed in but it's just sitting there to you know maybe mask where he's hiding and he's freaking out because the fucking spiders everywhere and he goes to the back and hides under a blanket dodging all 100 rat traps that we see (laughs) as he hides sonia eventually walks around sees the crawl space and decides to take off her shoes pull off the screen and crawl down in there and look for him, right? She's got a flashlight so she can kind of see the traps and shit. She's going around and you you know she's going to hit a trap and she misses all of them, yep. right? right. And like they show her like putting her hands and stuff around them. And every time she goes past a pile of shit, which is a bunch of under this crawl space, no wonder they have rats and spiders everywhere, <laughs> she smacks them and yells, right? And he's not under any of them until she makes it to the back where Cole's hiding under a blue blanket. And she's like, Good boy. Starts to reach, and you find out she's talking to the tarantula crawling on the blanket, (laughs) which Cole's afraid of everything, especially tarantulas as well. But we start to hear Max call for Sonia, and she starts to crawl towards the exit, and it looks like Cole's going to be scot-free, and he thinks he's scot-free, so he swats the blanket to knock the tarantula off, and it lands on a rat trap, which makes it snap. And Sonia's like, Cole, and she knows where he is. And, and she starts to, like, crawl towards him really fast and yanks this big-ass knife out. And she's like, I wonder how long it's going to take for your parents to find your body down here. Like, she's fucking crazy, too. Uh-huh. And he lights the rocket and launches it at her, missing her. <laughs> but when she dodges it, she gets both her hands stuck in the traps, breaking her nails, which she's really upset about. And he makes it out, screws the screen back on with the gun. And grabs the bug spray because he told his mom to get some bug spray earlier, right? So it's laying next to the crawl space. And he just starts to spray the fucking crawl space with, with spider spray as she comes up. And the rocket finally ignites because the whole time you can just hear going mm-hmm. in the background waiting on this fucking thing to blow. wanting to know how long the fuse is. And it finally explodes, igniting all the bug spray and does a giant explosion, a fireball out the grate, knocking Cole back. And then you hear Sonny go, I'm still alive, motherfucker. <laughs> and then there's another boom and she's not yelling anymore. 
Max is standing behind him, giving him the slow clap applause and says, he thinks that was fucking awesome. <laughs> and um, Max is like, I'll tell you what, buddy, I'll give you a head start. Start running. And Cole's like, it's not fair. You're the quarterback. And he's like, life's not fair. Sometimes. <laughs> and then Cole throws, I don't know if it's the Zippo or the drill. Right, but he throws it in Max, and it just bounces off his fucking chest. And Max is like, "What the fuck did you just do?" And he takes <laughs> off running. Right, so Max makes chase and starts chasing Cole down to the yard. And Cole does what B taught him. He drops to the ground like a sack of potatoes, <laughs> and he kicks Max in the dick as he runs up. And uh, Max lets him know that it hurts a little bit, but he missed his dick. And it must have been hard because he's got a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> he then picks Cole up by the throat. And uh, starts choking him because Cole said something like, I doubt that. And he's like, that's really hurtful, Cole. And he starts choking <laughs> the shit out of him. And he tells Cole that he's going to get to die with dignity this way. And then Max starts to hear something in the background as he's choking the life out of Cole. And he wants to know what it is. And Cole, like, coughs out eggs. And he's like, there's a bully egg in your house, bro? It's like, this is bullshit. We can't <laughs> let this stand. You don't let kids disrespect you like this. And he gives Cole, like, a go, go get him, go fuck him up speech. Kisses him on the forehead and sends him on his way. And Cole walks up and Jeremy's like fucking dancing. It's ridiculous on the sidewalk yes. and chunking eggs at the house. And um, he threatens them and he gives them, I'm going to kick you in the head with the other side of the boot speech. <laughs> he does this shitty kick, <laughs> hits the air and about falls over, right? And uh, Jeremy's like, what the fuck was that? And punches him and knocks him over. He dives on Cole and Cole spills the beans that there's high school kids in his house that murdered a kid and they're trying to kill him and he needs his help. And Jeremy gets real serious and acts like he's going to help him. He's like, I'm going to act like I'm leaving. I'm going to get on my bike. You hop on the pegs. I'll get you to safety. And he's like, thank you. And then he just fucking eggs him on the face, right? <laughs> and leaves. And there was lots of colon jokes in there. I, I didn't even write them all down, but like they're, they're just endless. Max walks up and he tells Cole that he talks too much as he helps him up off the ground. And... He's like, next time, crack him in the face, okay? But he's like, at least you stood up for yourself, kid, right? And Cole asks him if he's going to let him go because, you know, he's giving him a glimmer of hope with the next time. And he's like, just remember, if you kill me, you're not going to get what you want. And Max lets him know that he didn't come here like the rest of them to make a deal with the devil. He came here just because he likes to kill people. Yup. <laughs> he did also try to make a deal with the devil, but that was just to grant him access to the killing of the people. Yeah, side quest. Side quest. <laughs> Colden slaps him in the face and runs off to what's left of his treehouse. And Max gives him some Warriors references <laughs> and some Jason music and uh, sneaks up in the house like a slasher behind him, like silently, right? And I think there was Warrior references earlier when Sonya was like a form. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And um, Max sneaks up on him and it's like there's like a bridge in between two different parts of the treehouse. It's a really cool treehouse, actually. <laughs> and there's a rope swinging there, right? That's about to come, um, come into play. And Max looks at him, and he looks really sad. And he's like, I don't want you to die with egg on your face, kid. You deserve so much better than this. And he <laughs> cleans all the egg off of him, right? But he's not wearing a shirt. He doesn't know where to wipe the egg, right? And he's got it all over his hands. And he's like, today you get to die a man. Today you get to die an honorable death. And he goes to grab Cole. But when he shifts, the bridge breaks, and they fall. And it's not that far. But Max decides he's going to grab the rope. But his hands are covered in egg because he didn't want Cole to have egg on his face when he died. Swats the rope, slaps it, wraps around his neck a few times, and fucking hangs him snapping his neck. Yup. Cole survived narrowly. He's on the ground from a short fall, and he knew how to breathe when he got the wind knocked out of him because Max taught him earlier, right? And for anyone expecting us to go on a long diatribe about how this wouldn't work, we've watched enough Fail Army videos to see that rope swings can be deadly. 
Have we? I don't know. I just took it. I was like, eh, fuck it. Oh, I have. <laughs> you <laughs> get seen, a hard pass for I've me. I've seen some people fuck themselves up on a rope swing. <laughs> oh, no, I fucked myself up on a rope swing. I was just like, I was like, if you swat it hard enough, I guess it could wrap a couple of times. Hell then you're yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I won't go bungee jumping. I seen that video where that shit wrapped around that dude's neck. I, mm, 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 mm. I just don't watch it because I'm not going to do it anyway. So <laughs> it's irrelevant. What if there's spiders up top? That's your only way to escape. I don't even need a bungee cord. <laughs> just fucking jumping. <laughs> I don't need this earth. It's got spiders attacking me. <laughs> Anyways, you think Cole's getting away scot-free, and then B shoots a gun at him, and he's like, where the fuck did the gun come from? And he takes off running, and Melanie's looking out the door because she heard the gunshot, and he tackles and lands on her in the, you know, like high school rom-com style where you're waiting on him to kiss, and the door slams, right? Yup. And here we're actually diving into the third fucking act. Oh, shit. Melanie and Cole basically hide in the house as B checks the house with the gun, and they play a game of cat and mouse. Like, they're running around quietly and almost knocking shit over and catching that it. fucking vase. Yeah, she's checking. The vase comes in a couple times. She's checking places a second too late. And they're hiding in a bathroom eventually. And he plays brave. Not play, but he's trying to be brave for Melanie. And she kisses him. And then there's a plan for them to run out. But he runs out by himself and he shuts the door and tries to lock it from the wrong side. <laughs> and she points out that it locks from the inside, dumbass. But... That was very brave, and I appreciate it, right? Like, the, she liked the gesture. And um, she lets him know that next time they need to make out, though. Yeah. Not just a kiss, right? He runs for his house, yelling for B to come and get him. And he's trying to make as much noise as possible as he goes through the house, like, through Melanie's house, through the yard, across the street, in his house. And he goes in his house, and it's completely fucking clean. The lights are out. There's no dead bodies. There's no blood anywhere. The cop car's gone, right? Yep. And he can't see shit. And he starts to hear footsteps creaking in the house, scaring the shit out of him because he's already scared of his own fucking shadow. <laughs> and he finds Allison's body randomly in a room next to the kitchen, bloody in a chair. And he checks her and he thinks she's dead. And he starts to walk off and the camera's panning in a way where his body covers the chair for a second. And it pans around again or he sways. And Allison's not in the chair anymore. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> like, I didn't know McGee was good with the little creepy shit like that. But it's, it's subtle, and yes, it's guessable, but it, it's done really nice. But uh, he goes to the kitchen, and he finds the devil's book on the counter, and he gets jumped by Allison, who tackles him, and, in, and starts hitting him in the face. And then he machine gun punches her in the titty. And uh, <laughs> she freaks out and dives back and says, oh, my God, you're a pervert. And she's, like, grabbing her boobs. She's like, I've never felt so violated in my life. I knew you were just upstairs in your room just jerking off to me. <laughs> So funny. How she like turned it around and he's like offended because she's like, he's like, I'm not a rapist. Whoa, like, kind of thing, right? And she's like, no one will want a journalist with a deflated boob. And he says that she's still really hot and he could help her walk away from all this and she could have a really cool story to tell as a journalist. And she acts like she's going along with it and then just randomly goes for him and, and he starts chunking ditches like out of the cabinet. He's grabbing plates and cups and throwing them at her. She's dodging. It's ridiculous. Yes. And then he goes to the dishwasher to grab the knife out, right? Where's yeah. that? But, it, but it's gone. Oh, no. <laughs> and then we get to the hotel room and his mom's. <laughs> I'm going to go into more detail on this scene. Oh, really? <laughs> than any other scene because it is shot perfectly to make it even funnier. Mom's on the left side of the bed, holding a book in her left hand, reading it, with her right hand under the blanket, going up and down, jerking off dad while he's laying there with his arms behind his back. And she's like, by the way, are you the idiot that put the knife in the dishwasher? <laughs> Don't do that on my good knives again. I put it in the butcher block, <laughs> right? And she's still reading the book, looking the opposite direction of her husband. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. They have a weird-ass sex life. I know. I know. And I described it longer than the scenes on screen. I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> but the layout's so fucking funny. And, like, nobody's into it. Like, Jeff's <laughs> not even into it. <laughs> It's like, what's going on? It's like there's this whole subplot nobody knows about where they're just collecting his sperm to sell it and some shit. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. We cut back to the kitchen, and Allison has the knife, and she yanked it out of the butcher block where mom put it, and she goes for a coal and has him cornered. She's about to stab him, and then her head fucking explodes from being shooting with a shotgun, and she's like, oh, my God, that was graphic. <laughs> she's like, I stole this from the cop car, but I didn't know it would do that. It's so funny. And she explains that she had to get rid of the cop car and all the bodies and that she was shooting around him, missing the whole time just to scare him. <laughs> and she wasn't planning on hurting him anyways. And then he goes to the book and he tries to light it with like one of those long candle lighters that's in the kitchen drawer that we all have. Yeah. And she's trying to talk him down. And she tells him that he's too young to understand what's going on and that he looks upset. And he does a madman comparison to her, <laughs> spoiling the plot of the show, which really upsets her because she hasn't seen madman yet. <laughs> you just ruined madman for me. Yeah. And she explains that the blood of the innocent mixed with the blood of the sacrifice and the verses on the page. All recited together will make your wishes get granted. And she lets him know that he used to be small and meek, and over the years she has made him into a strong, growing man, right? Because he's her guy, and she doesn't want him dead, right? Mm-hmm. And he asks her if he was the first kid, and she pauses, looks upset for a second, and says no. <laughs> Which lets you know they had the, McG went line, they had the three beats planned already. And she says she's just going to leave, and she's not going to hurt him, but he could come with her. And she has this bullshit story that they could give the parents and the police and then they can go get whatever they wanted because she's got this font of innocent blood from him and they can have wishes and shit. And he seems to go for it for a second. And then he lights her fucking book on fire <laughs> and he takes off running in slow-mo. She chases him screaming and he chunks it like to the opposite end of the room as he goes out the door. So that way he can get out of the house while she's obviously going to try to put the book out. Yes. She goes for the book. She's putting it out as he's slow-mo running across the street. The queen, we are the champions. Dives in the douchebag's car. Because if I forgot to mention it earlier, when he's talking to Melanie and says, where's your dad? She says a Protestant picked him up <laughs> and took him out for sex. So he got picked up by the hooker. And now we know where the Protestant thing's coming from. So that's why Juan's car is here. And, you know, he John Connor does the sun visor, catches the keys, cranks the car, gets a wink from Melanie out the door as he takes off launches the car at just the right angle off the treehouse roof ramp to spiral <laughs> to the house like he was talking to the RC car through the wall, landing on B, crushing her, right? Yo, he's fucked up a bit because there's no airbags in this piece. <laughs> and he crawls out into his living room out of the car, which is just funny to say. And he crawls over to her. She's, she's more fucked up than him because she has a car on top of her. <laughs> and they have a chat. It's a pretty normal conversation for the two of them, for what we saw earlier in the movie. Yeah. Other than the fact that she's bleeding out and um, wants to know what his intergalactic dream team was, right? Because she's like, I forgot to ask, and I'm sorry. And he's like, and she goes, I'm usually good at that kind of thing, right? Like, I don't know if she means being his friend or, like, faking. Yeah. Right? It could go either way. But he lets her know that his team is Captain Adama from Battlestar Galactica, the Predator, and the two of them. Oh. And she's like, you didn't say we could pick ourselves. And he's like, it's science fucking fiction. We can do whatever we want. And she's like, the problem you had when you were trying to come up with a team to take out the big bad is you never realized that I was the big bad the whole time. Right. Nope. And he starts crying and he tells her that he loved her. And then she starts to legit cry. Right. Like you can tell she's upset by the event, not just because she's dying, like just the whole <laughs> thing. Right. <laughs> and he tells her that when he found out she was the big bad, 
he actually ran, tried to get help, and drove a car through his house into her just to save people, right? And she tells him that she's proud of him for that and that she's going to see him soon, and she goes for the E.T. fingers, and he leaves her hanging. <laughs> and he says, Bobby, this is her, and walks out as the cops roll up. Douchebag dad's back, and he's mad at the cops because they're supposed to protect and serve his fucking car, <laughs> and they're not doing a very good job of that right now. And Melanie goes and sits on the curb with him and kisses him on the cheek, angering her dad further. He's wondering if she wants to go get a tattoo now. <laughs> and then Jeremy shows up with his crew's already there, right? Like his little thugs. And he's like, what's going on? And they're like, Cole stole a car and drove it through his house and killed a bunch of murderers. He's a badass. And Jeremy's like, fuck this. Let's get out of here. And they're like, no. And they do the breakfast club, like arms up things. <laughs> He's Cole's their hero now. And his parents roll up and run over Cindy, Jeremy's bike. Just like, it's not even, it's, they'd have to go out of their way yes. to park there and crash the bike. And it makes it funnier. Thank you, McG, for that. And um, he's crying. And they get out of the car and they ask Cole what happens and he gives them a smirk, comment, and credits roll. I don't need a babysitter anymore. We then get a little bit of credits and then we cut to a scene of a cop walking through the house and he shines his flashlight under the car where B's body should be and it's gone. And he turns and he takes a few steps and he cuts a corner and then we hear a loud sting as B jumps up in slow-mo with a knife behind him and stab him in the back. Da-da-da. Credits again. The end. For real this time. For real this time. It's like an hour 20, roughly fantastic ride you get everything you need quickly like it just comes in and then we just get to the funny scenes yeah everyone's fucking hilarious in this movie except for the samuel kid <laughs> even him the porpoise line like yeah. he even got one the random shit like running over the bike and i don't know there's all the subtle shit that mcg puts in makes this movie just so fucking fun to watch and i think like anybody could watch like my wife watched this one and liked it with me right because it's just hilarious you can't not laugh it has mcg humor in it yes and is a gory fucking slasher for the most part and it was actually deep on a lot of levels plot wise and after seeing the second one and then knowing there's plans for a first a second and a third you could totally set it up for like a trilogy in oh, case yeah. he got it but it was completely closed book one thing i was wondering i don't think b ever died like you know like we're gonna get into it in the second one but like the way the other people come back i don't think she died no Oh, I see what you're saying. No, 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 no. I think she got away. We'll get into it in the second one. I think what she was doing that night, if you go by the second one, was part of what needed to be completed because of the past. But we don't know that yet because the second one hasn't happened. I think this is, this is a hard conversation to have with us not covering the second movie. So if it gets too deep, I'll either move <laughs> it to the end or we'll save it for the end. <laughs> I think there's a chance she was legit. Her and her friends were going to sacrifice Samuel and take a little bit of Cole's blood, and they're just going to do their wishes. I don't think it was her, like, wrap the thing up in a bow in the second one. I think she was legit going to do it. She had no intention of hurting Cole. That's oh, no, why no, she no. drugged him, right? Like, I think she was actually trying to, like, get her and her friends' wishes granted. At yes, that point 100%, 100%. I've got some head cannon. We'll get to it at the end of the second one because it's a plot hole. But okay. if I fix the plot hole this way, it works all the way back to the first movie. But we'll get to that. <laughs> You're going to hear a lot of, we'll get to that, and uh, me trying to guess conversations. So I guess we should probably just dive straight into 2020s, the babysitter, killer queen, so that me and Josh can have this fucking conversation. Woo! Real quick, I, I was going to put this at the end, but uh, the sequel, we've talked about sequels. <laughs> They're mostly not good. And before going into this one, this one's greatest strength is also its greatest weakness, and that's just in the rehashing. 
Now, yeah. as far as the world this lives in of full-blown fucking camp, it's okay. But at the same time, the sequel actually goes into depth. Right. It really does. Now, it is fucking spastic yeah. and disjointed. And that's just... That's part how, of the charm. That, well, yes, that's how that, that is flow when right. you're dealing with Mick G. So uh, he, of course, directed this one. And for writers, we've got uh, Dan Lagana, um, nothing of note. Oh, okay. Um, you've got Brad Morris, who this is the only thing he's written. Okay. And then Jimmy Warden, who more recently wrote Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, but I want to. I haven't either. I, that's going to be really good or really bad. We have the same fucking cast, yeah, <laughs> yeah. save for a couple of new characters. The most important one being fucking Jenna Ortega as Phoebe. Scream X, Studio 666, more recently fucking Wednesday. So, the TV show You. Yes. So uh, two years after Cole survived a satanic blood cult, he's living another nightmare. High school. And the demons from his past still making his life hell. So we open with a quick flashback of Cole saying he doesn't need a babysitter anymore, followed by a pop-up two years later, even though it's more like five in the real world, but oh, we yeah. already covered that. Oh, yeah. He's a senior in college now. Not really, but <laughs> he's grown a lot. <laughs> so uh, we see Cole at home pouring a glass of milk that turns into blood, and he fucking starts freaking out, and then he wakes up from his nightmare. Yep. And then we get a quick little kind of recap montage narrated by Cole as uh, we're seeing him walk the halls of high school. Yeah. And everyone thinks he's fucking crazy. You want to know what the only thing worse than being invisible is? Not being invisible. Toss this pussy into the mental war, guys. And uh, you'll notice as he's walking down the hall, he's in this stupid fucking three-piece corduroy suit. Oh, like, yeah. He's just asking for a beating. Oh, yeah. He's asking his ass whooping. <laughs> <laughs> and this was totally inspired by Wes Anderson. Ah, it makes sense now. It does. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Wes Anderson's made a bunch of fucking films. Yeah. Um, including Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, The Life Aquatic, a lot of movies I've never seen and never played to see. <laughs> <laughs> we then see that Cole's narration that we're hearing is actually him talking to the school nurse slash guidance counselor, depending <laughs> yeah. on what time of day it is. Yeah. And he's got his scrubs on and then like his, like blazer right yes <laughs> and he's funny as shit yeah and uh <laughs> he's telling cole about the kind of shit he has to hear about and he's like chlamydia gonorrhea like there's herpes on the couch you're sitting on. right <laughs> and uh he of course hits cole with the flu shot and we revisit the og title card with a ball to the head i'm sorry athletic equipment <laughs> to the head and pussy <laughs> right same guy i think every time as well Oh, my God. It's so funny, too, because the bell goes off, and he's like, oh, oh, school nurse time, and he's taking the <laughs> yep. jacket off, and he gets out that big-ass fucking needle. So we're then reintroduced to Melanie, and uh, as they talk, it goes all slow motion around him. It's fucking cool. They're standing out in front of the school, and, like, everybody slows down around him, like, you know, not another teen movie type shit. But they don't freeze. <laughs> they just slow down, which is a nice touch. So to us, the audience is like, oh, fuck, this is so cool. They're actually together, and then here comes her dumbass boyfriend, Jimmy. Yeah. Along with two new disposable characters, Diego and Boom Boom. Yeah, yeah. And they briefly mention about, you know, oh, we're going to go to the lake this weekend, blah, 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 blah. Just a couple of quick little things that to let us know that Cole's still an outsider. It's like, hey, man, you know, colonoscopy. He's, <laughs> he's fucking being weird to him, too. It's like, you want to walk to class with us? And he's like, no, nah, just walk alone. He's but, like, that's brave, dude. I appreciate <laughs> it. And me watching this the first time, I'm like, you're not Max, bro. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's exactly. where my brain went. Because to me, this is the Max franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to class and they're discussing Faust. 
Now, uh, this is important for those that are not familiar with the story that I looked up on Wikipedia. Um, so that means you weren't familiar. <laughs> okay. No. okay. So uh, the short, short version is Faust traded his soul to the devil for unlimited knowledge and pleasure. Yeah. And the deal was brokered by the devil's assistant, Mephistopheles, at the crossroads. Yes, those crossroads. Yes, like that this. is that legend that is yes. the making a deal with the devil. Exactly. <laughs> From the 1800s, this is the OG story that set it all in motion. Oddly enough, I was watching the new season of Servant, and Rupert Gent, uh, his character is, like, researching through a book, and he, like, stops on, like, a Faustian bargain or whatever. Okay. And I'm like, okay, because he's just guessing, right? So I'm not spooling anything. He's looking up everything, but they he freezes on that one for a minute, and he's reading about it. And I'm like, oh, I can see this show going that way. And I'm like, well, I need to work on podcast notes and stuff. Let's watch Babysitter 2 because I hadn't seen it since <laughs> opening weekend. And I'm like, and there we go. It's, it's back. Same day. Same day. I, it's funny how it's kind of shit happens, right? I'm like, oh, I, yeah. I probably haven't said that word in 10 years, you know, like, and, or, or reference that story. And then it's twice in one day. Well, my whole thing in all honesty watching the movie was Mephistopheles. Like, I know this. Like, somewhere in my brain, I knew this, but it was long lost knowledge. Anyway. Um, so the class is interrupted by the arrival of the new girl, Phoebe, as the cramps, the way I walk plays. This is full yeah. blown meta foreshadowing in the <laughs> really real world. <laughs> but wait, there's more. The cramps, man, they've been popping up in some shit recently because they're on Wednesday. Yes. Right. And uh, my buddy David hadn't seen Halloween in yet. Okay. And I got that floating around the internet where the guy cut, super cut Halloween 2018 and kills together into oh, like one okay. movie. So we watched that as a recap into the third one. And it's actually pretty cool. It goes too fast at the beginning. There's like too many hard cuts and then it's better by the end. But uh, like all the Halloween movies have fucking cramp songs in them too. And it's a different one every time. They had like Teenage Werewolf and all sorts of shit. I'm like, man, I just cramps got really cool and like, you know, like yes. fucking meta apparently at some point. So uh, Phoebe's fresh out of juvie. She thinks that snakes are the most misunderstood reptiles, and she's fucking preggers, or at least late. <laughs> yeah. She's like, and I'm late. And the principal's like, no, you're right here on time. She's like, no, 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 my period. It's late. <laughs> so I'm starting to wonder, Mick G being the big music guy and music video guy, I, w I wonder if he asks you who your favorite band is and stuff. Because the reason why she does the Wednesday dance to the cramps is because Tim Burton asked her, and that was her favorite band. Oh, okay. So, like, the fact that, like, Two movies, she does something to a cramps. Well, it's an introduction scene, but yeah. he, he likes to use the music as a character. So I wonder if uh, he asked her, she's like, the cramps is my favorite band. He's like, all right, cramps it is. That is very interesting. It's a theory that holds no No, no. no proof, I but, mean, this he seems like that kind of fucking guy. I mean, he fuck it, this was going to be at the end, but he literally throws, and he's able to do this at least with Netflix, throw fucking care and caution to the wind. If yeah. it feels like a good idea, let's just go there and see what happens. I'm pretty sure he's always done that. Like <laughs> if Chuck's in the end, if Chuck is any indication of what he does. Um, but upon this, I'm late news. She says <laughs> that she's thinking she just may keep the damn thing because seeing all the students faces fills her with <laughs> yes. so much hope for the future. She could just scream. <laughs> And then uh, she kicks the yogurt-eating dude out of his seat and tells him to leave the yogurt. Yeah. And uh, she fucking sits down. And this was something that didn't get touched on in the first movie, so we can talk about it now. Cole notices she has the same black cat tattoo on her arm that fucking B did. Yep, never caught that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Phoebe and B have the same fucking tattoo. Okay. So later that night, Cole walks in on his parents discussing being creeped out by their own fucking son. And it's a really cool <laughs> shot because it starts off on the island in the kitchen. There's like 18 bottles of pills. And it's like, well, I'm not really... I'm not saying I'm creeped out by him, but da 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 da. <laughs> yeah. And they finally realize that he's just standing there next to the refrigerator, like, hi, mom and dad. And they're like, oh, we still love you. <laughs> Set the table. So after dinner, Cole goes to his room and he's trying to video chat with Melanie. She just needs notes for fucking homework. And uh, she spots this huge bottle of lotion and tissues <laughs> that he's got sitting on his nightstand. And just when it couldn't get any worse, dad pops in because he's holding the lotion like, oh, no, right. I got dry elbows. And dad's like, whoa, whoa, shit. Sorry, I didn't mean to walk in on you beating off again. <laughs> he's like, you and Melanie, all right. You keep sexting or whatever. <laughs> so that, of course, ends their video chat. And uh, Pops tries to have a heart to heart about his son's craziness because yeah. it's like this shit didn't really happen. Cole, it's OK. Blah, 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 blah. And Cole's like, no, dad, this shit happened. And uh, conversation doesn't really get anywhere. Dad heads back to bed with mom and she just starts jerking. it. No, um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, don't directors cut me on this shit because it's Netflix, <laughs> man. I don't want to hear your bullshit. He basically says, hey, he's still saying he believes all of it. We need right. to go through with the plan at noon tomorrow or one o'clock tomorrow, whatever it is. On a side note, I, I didn't think about this till just now. Okay, I, I get it. Blood cult story and the bodies are all missing. I could see like thinking he's crazy and stuff, but where's B and how do you explain that? Well, I mean, theoretically, oh, you mean just in general, like what the fuck happened to your babysitter? Right, right. Like they don't believe anything he says, but he's had this babysitter his entire life. Like they've known her for close to a decade and like she was there watching their kid when they left that night to go you know jerk off and read a book and then he's <laughs> you know got this crazy ass story where he drove a, a car through the house to kill her because she was trying to murder him and kill these cops and shit and she's nowhere to be found this is one of many plot holes we will discuss tonight i just developed this one <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning cole spots this pamphlet while he's looking for his fucking paper that's due and the pamphlet is for saint gabe's psychiatric academy fuck yeah no. once he gets to school he tells mel be prepared for the rest of this review i'll be referring to melanie as mel because i started shorthanding it because i suck at typing <laughs> but cole calls her mel so it's okay and while they're talking in the hallway, it goes all fucking slow-mo around him again. And uh, she's like, look, dude, you're fucking wigging out. Ditch class. Come to the lake with us. And uh, he drops his bottle of pills at that time. And I fought really hard for this because I really wanted to know. As far as I can tell, it says, uh, I've never tried to pronounce this. Fuck. Chlorpramazine. Looked it up. That's a medication used to treat schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and acute psychosis. Mm. So he's heavily fucking medicated. And he's feeling like a weirdo and everything. And yeah. Mel's like, look, everybody's fucked up and everybody has some kind of way to cope. And it goes into this montage <laughs> that is fucking great of all these pop-up right. examples. It's, it's, like, it's basically Scott Pilgrim-esque, right? Yes, yeah. very much so. Not the first time we're going to dip our yeah. toe in that water either. And, you know, she goes like, see the dude with the stank stash? You know, he's on this. See this chick? She's so fucked up in her head. She thinks if she steps on a crack, da-da-da-da-da. And it escalates to like as people are walking by, these cards are popping right. up and it's like problem solution. And they all make sense. Like, you know, Ativan, whiskey, right. Adderall, da-da-da-da. But if you pay attention, my favorite one in the back left, the very last one to pop up is Flintstone gummies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. I'm going to look for it because it, the hallway's packed with kids and there's yes. like drugs and booze listed everywhere. So it's a lot to take in. But I mean, honestly, it's, that's true. It is. Like it's a very true statement and it did seem to make him feel better. I'm going to, I'm going to sound like an idiot again. I never caught the slow motion. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Do you think he's having like a panic attack? Well, then, like that's supposed to show him having a panic attack? Well, it's the opposite of that. It's that to me, it's that Melanie's like the the warm, gooey center that actually slows him down, and mm. he and he can focus on her. Okay. That that's truly what I got out of okay. it. Even though I made the fucking not another teen movie joke and shit. Because dude's anxious. When we get to red pill, blue pill, it's like <laughs> fucking full on. So after this explaining of everyone and their issues and their coping devices, Cole says, well, what about the new girl? And Mel says, oh, well, she killed her parents. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, where did you hear that? And she's like, everyone. Oh, foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> this whole fucking movie's foreshadowing. <laughs> Longer setup in this one than in the first one, too. Yeah, but then it just fucking goes off the rails on cocaine. It really does. <laughs> so, of course, cue Phoebe who's walking down the hall and she goes to her locker and there's this old stuffed bunny in it with a keychain hanging off of its ear with this one key on it. And uh, it's missing an eye and shoved in the eye socket is a fortune that reads it ends tonight. And she then Evil has dies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a public justice and shit. Um, <laughs> so she then has this quick flashback to seeing that same keychain in the ignition of a vehicle. That's all we get. I do want to ask real quick, doesn't B drive a Jeep in the first movie? I was about to ask you the same question. I was going to say, is it a Jeep or like a Bronco uh, with the top off? Either way. She has a green Bronco-ish Jeep-ish. Th- it's not like a Jeep Wrangler, but she has like a bigger green thing okay. in the first one. Because I watched like my movie, your movie, and then watched my movie, and then watched my movie and took the notes. So like I was thinking about it, right? And I was like, okay, because I feel like it was a Jeep and Babysitter 2, but it looks like a Bronco in the first one. Or I could be completely wrong, and it's a Bronco in both. But she likes open-air, all-terrain vehicles. There we go. That is <laughs> it. Because obviously it's not the same fucking car. No, no. It's no, just no. like she got a new one that's kind of like the old one. Yeah. Man, we could just fucking dive off. <laughs> if we could go this deep on other shit, <laughs> we'd be great, eh? We'd be up there with the greats. This is what we have to do when there's not a lot of behind the scenes, sir. <laughs> but this movie makes up for the behind the scenes by just being fucking hilarious. So uh, <laughs> we then jump back to class, and we see that Cole is distracted by Phoebe's sweet Picard flip book. And she's, <laughs> she's, she's thumbing through her book, and it's a drawing where fucking little Picard head eats an alien. Yeah. <laughs> and it says Picard 1, Alien 0. That's funny as shit. She's a weird chick. Right. She's into some nerdy stuff. She might even be able to make an intergalactic dream team. (laughs) So, of course, teacher notices not paying attention and tells him he needs him to summarize what he was just saying about Faust. And he stands up and he immediately busts his ass because somebody's done tied his fucking shoes together. Yeah. And uh, Cole hops right back up and he says that uh, basically getting something without working for it is ultimately unrewarding. Now, in the depths of this movie, by this point, we should totally understand that Cole is smart. Yeah. But fucker just can't catch a break. Right. And it's because he can't get out of his own fucking way. And okay. we, th- this is coming of age fucking territory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, real- that's what McG was going for. He wanted a kid hero coming to age story. Exactly. The thing is, is like, this movie was not, this is the, towards the end shit, but I got to put it in here. The movie, the sequel, was not well received. Like to the was point, it not? No, from what I was reading, to the point that I'm seriously scared that we won't get the third one. Because I liked it. It was different, but the same. Exactly. And in passing, this is one of those things. Like you're never going to get a broad audience with the more so with the first movie, you can get a broader audience. But with the sequel, it, it shit just got narrow. 
And like to the people that are into it, like you and me, like this is fucking great. Like yeah. I get all the distractions. I get all the references, the slew of fucking talking about, well, this happened in Terminator and this happened in Terminator too. Like there's so much shit. It's kind of like those, like I meet people that hate Scott Pilgrim and love Sp- Scott Pilgrim. There's no in between. Exactly. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I will say, I felt like this one was better the second time I watched it. Yes. Cause I watched it the, the night it came out and I was like, okay, that's all right. I liked it. It wasn't bad. I didn't feel like a waste of my time. I didn't think it was great. And then I watched it, I don't know, for some reason, a couple months later, and the jokes hit better, right? And the embracing the humor of the first one and bringing it back, like, I focused on that a little better. And um, I knew who Jenna Ortega was. Like, and that <laughs> added to it, too, right? Like, yeah. this is the level, you know what I mean? And it's, I feel like it's better for a second viewing, but I could see with it being like a Netflix thing and streaming, like, people are like, oh, I heard it sucks, or I saw it already, I don't like it. Yeah. They don't go back and give it that second exactly. shot. This isn't a director's episode. McGee was in his lane. Yeah. I give him a lot of credit as a director. I don't know how good these movies would have been with somebody else. This is normally into the, the film topic, but it's just the well, jokes. It's just, it's a yo, really good sequel that's not probably ever going to get go down as a good sequel. Exactly. Yes, we're going, and I did it. I, t- I took us to the end of the night, but it, it's one of those things that I feel like we got to put this in perspective because this sequel is fucking bonkers. And yeah. to somebody that's not paying attention, it's disjointed as fuck fuck but it, it if yeah. you pay attention it's actually trying it yeah. really is trying in a but good way this is sorry guys like it, it's always josh's <laughs> movies that we do this on because we're like further into the conversation and i'm gonna try something further new. into the beers yeah <laughs> i'm gonna try something new on this episode i'm gonna get you to recap where we're at up to this point we pick back up oh fuck okay well, don't read yet well pause i can edit motherfucker no 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 but- i'm moving my cursor okay <laughs> but uh by the end of this movie it, it is really deep it yeah. goes so fucking deep. The jokes go back. The plot points go back. A lot of things hook. And honestly, I'll say, when I saw the trailer for the second one, I was kind of disappointed. Like, I was super pumped that they were making a sequel. And then I watched the trailer, and I just kind of see, like, oh, spoiler. But, you know, everybody's back. Rinse and repeat. And and I'm like, oh, really? This is what we're going to do? And, and I start watching the movie, and, and I'm laughing at the jokes, right? And they all start reappearing. And I'm like, this is this is not going to be good. And <laughs> exactly. then it goes so fucking nanners, as you like to put it, full nanners, <laughs> crazy. And it like embraces the characters from the original film and then takes it to like 11, right? Yeah. And it just does it right out the gate. And I'm like, okay, I'm having fun now. Like, exactly. You know, I'm along for the ride. And uh, I don't know. I guess you just have to really just not take it seriously and have fun. And I know some people say that to explain a way to like shitty movies. But this one's not. It's deep. Yeah. He figured out how to make a sequel to some crazy shit. And honestly, he probably did the same thing with Charlie's Angels if you go back and fucking rewatch them. <laughs> um, I don't know. This movie, to me, did more things right than most movies do with yeah. a sequel. I hate sequels. I know. And I like this one. <laughs> it doesn't deserve to get shit on. I hope we get a third one. And I don't know why we just did the end of an episode discussion <laughs> in between the first and second act. Real quick to get us back to where yeah, we yeah. were. Recap us, brother. So everybody thinks Cole is crazy. Yep. We've moved on two years. Melanie's still around. Yep. New girl Phoebe has shown up. She's fucking weird. And hilarious. And hilarious. And Cole has been invited to get away on the lake trip, but hasn't taken Melanie up on the offer yet. And Phoebe got a weird clue in her, in her locker. locker. Yeah, yeah. So this is but starting to look like a murder island the type bunny. who's coming to dinner situation. <laughs> so uh, more recently, after having his shoes tied together, Cole stands up and delivers his fucking thing in the classroom. So the bell rings and the teacher tells Cole, oh, by the way, your parents are in the office. You need to go see them. Right. And uh, Mel gives him one more shot. Hey, 
It's red pill, blue pill time. Cole starts to have a full-on panic attack, and we get the Smashing Pumpkins 1979 yeah. GoPro, and uh, he goes out in the hallway, and he looks one way, and it's fucking all all fucking blue, and like like jail bars coming down and shit, and yeah. he looks the other way where Mel is, and it's all red and inviting, and it's like the inside of a vagina, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Cole finally chooses red, and he dives into Mel's stolen Firebird, along with Diego and Boom Boom. <laughs> and this makes me miss my Firebird. My Firebird was not supercharged, and it uh, did not have the Hot Wheels flame and fucking paint job on it. But uh, I miss my Firebird sometimes. It got us around. It did a lot, and it ate gas. And and it didn't have a working gas gauge. And I never ran that motherfucker out. It's because I put five dollars in it every time I was going somewhere. <laughs> five dollars was a lot of gas back then, guys. Were old. <laughs> so we've got the kids heading off to the lake. And mom and dad obviously didn't pick up Cole at school. Right. So they're like, where the fuck could he be? Well, he's friends with that Melanie chick from across the street. Let's go over there. And uh, <laughs> they go to talk to Juan. Juan. <laughs> and we find out as they're standing at the door talking that uh, Pops has been sneak- sneaking over there to play Xbox and, and get stoned. Weed. Yeah. And mom's like, you know, hey, wait a minute. Is that the night that you tried to stick it in my ass? And then Juan opens the fucking <laughs> yeah, door. It's yeah. Fucking epic timing. Um, it's, it's a good, it's a good solid joke, and it kind of fits in with her trick or treat. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and he looks at he's got like long hair now and shit. He's like a completely <laughs> different dude. It's literally the same actor, but like a different yes. character. The normally you get same character, different actor, and they went the other <laughs> way this time. So they give Juan the rundown, and he could give two shits that his baby is missing, and mom's like. What about your other baby? What are you talking about? Where might she have gone? Fuck! No! Seriously? If your crazy kid fucks my car again, I fuck you! I fuck both of you! Fucked! Meanwhile, the kids stop off for gas and snacks. And condoms. Oh, well, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. <laughs> and, uh... Cole's in there and he's talking to Melanie a little bit while Jimmy's like, this kid's buying and walks out of the yeah, fucking yeah. store. And uh, it's basically more of Melanie trying to push Cole out of his shell and like, right. you, know, you know, come on, be one of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's left alone in the store and he goes up to the counter and there's this babe that's like half naked running to the gas station for some fucking reason. Yeah, because it's like your, your traditional podunk, like mom and pop gas station. No more like gas. From like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, uh, you know, Cabin in the Woods and Tucker and Dale. It's like that. And then you have a chicken S&M outfit yes. that also works at the sex toy shop working the counter here. Oh, so it's like clerks with the the convenience store and the video store next together there's an s&m shop thank you thank you there's a, uh, now there's an s&m uh, shop you're in welcome the, in the back <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's talking to the to the fucking clerk and um uh, she's like you're gonna you're gonna hit that and he's like oh no no she's got a boyfriend it's like no that, pff, i saw the way she was looking at you right like you know she wants you and you keep looking at these these condoms so you're gonna buy these along yeah. with everything else and be on your way and they're magnum xls yes not yeah. just magnums yeah. magnum xls like you can pull those fuckers like up over your fucking ankle and shit um anyways <laughs> what, <the fuck? laughs> what kind of sex is josh having apparently the con where he needs a head stocking i don't know <laughs> So on to the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we see Phoebe get dropped off by Large Marge. She actually yeah. says, thank you, Large yes. Marge, for the ride. And it says Large Marge trucking on oh, the side yeah. of the fucking oh, yeah. truck. 
that is more meta foreshadowing. So we got the fucking cramps. We got fucking a Tim Burton fucking movie, which also ties it in with the fucking Kyoto brothers because they did the claymation for fucking the large Marge transformation. Okay. Did not know they did the large Marge. You left that out <laughs> on Killer Clowns. Had no clue. And Tim Burton made fucking Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Yes. Had was, no fucking clue. He was the director. I had no clue. So this this movie was just setting up Jenna Ortega. <laughs> or McGee's about the same age as us and has the same taste in movies, shows, and dick and fart jokes. Occam's Razor. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, Cole sees Phoebe arrive, and uh, she immediately takes off on a jet ski, just fucking steals it from dude, <laughs> yeah. fucking vamps out. <laughs> she does that, like, if you just walk up and act like you own the bitch, nobody will say anything. <laughs> she really has been in jail. <laughs> so, Cole checks his phone, he sees he has no service, and uh, he feels like a fucking chode, because he is. And he <laughs> I haven't tra- heard that word in 20 years. <laughs> He tries to bounce and Mel convinces him to stay because because he's innocent and that's what makes him special. Mm. Mm. (laughs) And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. And he tosses his fucking pills into the lake and it's anticlimactic because they float. And it's funny to me. (laughs) I think that makes it more climatic. That's that's a McG joke. (laughs) It's supposed to be amazing. And we've seen this happen. Dramatized so many times. No, I just did normal shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So meanwhile, the parental figures have a chat with this dickhead cop and, uh, He's not really a dickhead. He's just, he doesn't really care. And, uh, <laughs> cause he probably knows that he went off to the lake to go fuck, right? Like, he's like, he's not gone. Well, Pop sounds like me for a minute. And he's like, isn't there some kind of like all seeing, all listening, Orwellian technology that could tell us where the fucking kids are? And the cop's like, no, if it did exist, the infidelity wouldn't have caught me by surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that shit's great and they're like showing a picture of Cole to the cop and he's like okay this this is yours and he's like what about you and Juan hands him a picture of the firebird yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we went right past it I, I keep calling him Juan cause like when they show up on the door right after the uh, almost anal joke <laughs> mom calls him Juan and he goes actually it's Juan <laughs> <laughs> like, who the fuck are you, guy? I just keep waiting for him to say that one time he fuck a goat. <laughs> Juan Valdez and his trusty steed. So mom and dad decide to divide and conquer. And mom's mm. going to go home and dad's going to wait there, but he's not going to play Xbox and he's not going to take the pot. I'm going to take it back a step here. It was dad's idea because he wanted to play Xbox and smoke pot. But yeah, she definitely said as long as you don't smoke the pot. Yes, but he convinces her that it was her idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of this is true. (laughs) So we flash forward a little bit and the kids at the lake are on this houseboat and they're playing seven minutes in heaven and Cole gets to go with Melanie. And this time they do more than a kiss. They make out like they had always wanted. Well, he had always wanted and she, man, we'll get there. Um, (laughs) It's funny as shit. Oh yeah. This is important. He bought some silly string at the gas station. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) That's really important. And when they're in the closet, she's like, so is that a can of silly string in your right pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? And he's like, the silly strings in my left pocket. (laughs) (laughs) My boy might need the Magnum XLs then. Well, that makes the, what were you and your, yeah. What were you and your huge dick planning on doing tonight? Joke even funnier, but anyways, (laughs) we'll get to that. Um, boom, boom, snatches him out of the closet. 
And uh, <laughs> while they're talking, she's like, this is boring. And it's like, they were making out. Yeah. And uh, as soon as he sits back down, Diego's like, uh, hey, man, did all that shit really happen? Like with the death, death cult and the devil and yeah, da, 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 just like won't fucking stop. And Melanie's like, dude, Diego, calm down. Like, why are you doing this to him? Like, I'm going to get a drink. And she gets up and walks away. And uh, it just keeps going and going. They right. all want to know about this pact with the devil. And Mel finally tries to stop him and just shut it down. And she says, look, no one wants to talk about a blood pack or the devil's book. And Cole does that. Yeah. <gasps> I never fucking told you about that shit. He's like, how did you know about the book, Mel? Because I signed my name in it, Cole. Oh, shit. Right. Of course, she then rips Boom Boom's throat out with a fucking meat hook that she just grabbed off the wall. And we get, what the fuck? And it's like, you have enough time to go, really, we're doing this again? And then it goes, again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And knew what we were all thinking and addressed the situation. And most of that was practical, too, with the blood. I saw it on, uh, on that one. Yeah, yeah. On that one, yes. Because it fucking drowns Diego. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say, though, I, I think Melanie actually liked him and cared for him. She just cares about her own future more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. Totally back in the... Until B showed up, which reminds me, she doesn't get a grindhouse. Everybody else does. But we mm. do get a shot of B showing up saying like, oh, you want to be an influencer? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> get ahead of myself. So Mel then reveals that it was all a lie to get Cole there. Yeah. And boom, boom as well. Because they need the blood of the sacrifice and the blood of the innocent. Yeah. So time to mix the blood. Cole then freaks the fuck out understandably and tries to go crawling out the door and he runs right into max yeah with yeah. no shirt exactly. um, <laughs> the hero of the film has arrived and then john which yeah. i already made this joke earlier who's like what you you seen a ghost you seen a beautiful black ghost <laughs> yeah yeah and then allison starts crawling through the window and it's like one of those it's supposed to be like oh you're here too and she's like stuck on the couch and like trying to get in and falls over shit. it's more than that she crawls in like sexy style like Catherine zeta jones doing the laser thing and like her shoe gets caught and she falls and then tries to prop her head and still look sexy like it's intentional you know it all is and cole would still hit it um actually that's not fair john john would still hit it um <laughs> So we learned that the gang's all back together to help complete the deal that they started around 666 days ago. <laughs> oh. And that Mel being involved is because she wants to become an influencer. Now a word about influencers. Listen, kids, do what you're into. If people dig it and follow you, use that power to lead them down a righteous path of horror flicks, video games, and punk rock. But if you do choose to sell your soul for power... Please use said power to smite all politicians, conglomerate CEOs, and the people who have ever willingly and needlessly fucked up a fast food order. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that was great, man. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, man. Yeah. I channeled my uh, Henry Zabrowski when he was funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I haven't listened to the podcast in a while, so I'm out of the loop there. Anyway, they go to tie up Cole. <laughs> And Jimmy's supposed to have the rope, but Jackass Jimmy bought ribbon because that was closer. <laughs> it was like way closer to my house, dude. And they make it clear that they need him alive for the ritual. And oh shit, there's Sonia with cookies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she comes up against the cookies. Is that the same part where John looks at Jimmy and he's like, you need to start doing less of this. And he's doing like the barbell lifting and more of this. And he acts like he's reading a book. Or is that a different part? I think that's later when he tries to do the statistics. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> so uh, everybody's back. This shit's fucking crazy. Then Phoebe comes in too. And yeah. she's like, 
assesses the situation. I just need some gas from a jet ski. I'm running low. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt your sex party or what? It's not fucking beasting out. Cole, of course, thinks she's the new bad. Anyways, the group's surrounding because she's immediately like deuces. And uh, Cole goes up through this hatch and he jumps on the slide and the slide conveniently leads to Phoebe's jet ski. Yeah. And they go to take off. But Max, now armed with a harpoon gun, because there's a wall <laughs> of weapons in this room, um, shoots the harpoon gun, manages to hit the jet ski and causes it to leak gas. The jet ski that was running low on gas, so low that it couldn't make it to its final destination, hence why she had stopped to get gas, is now not only low on gas, but leaking gas. Yeah, I'm going to stick on this. Um, <laughs> what if the person behind all this messed with the gauge and made her think she was low on gas? I would give you that, except for when we get to that flashback, it flat out shows her siphoning the gas out. Uh, yep. Okay, okay. Yep. See, that's the problem. Like, they even tried to put, mm, we'll get there. In all honesty, though, they went a whole, like, no, they don't. It looks like the <laughs> island's three. The island looks like 300 feet off or the other it land does. where they go. But when my man Max is surfing here in a minute or tubing or whatever, it's a long ride. You know what? And that's exactly right. So she doesn't have enough gas to make it to the final destination. They just make it into a cove and, yeah. and bounce. I, that negates everything I said. I apologize, writers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she fine. said she didn't have enough gas to get where she needed to get going. We don't know if this is a third of the way or what, right? All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So once the it has enough gas to get here, jet ski gets to shore. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cole gives Phoebe the short, short version of what happened to him. Right. And she acts like she believes him. What else do you expect from a collection of attention-seeking social media millennials with esteem issues? The crew... Sonia cookie in hand um, is like, well, what the fuck are we going to do now? And of course, Melanie's like, I got an idea. And she lights the trail of gasoline on fire. Fucking we follow it, go around the corner. We get a mini Michael Bay. Yeah. And then Phoebe takes off. And I will say she comes in hard, though. She's like, I'm going to have to save all your asses. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's not just talking to her friends. She's talking to like the yes. dead crew. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 She's the only quote unquote smart one. She's the queen bee right now. Yes. Hmm. Or, uh, oh, fuck, what does he call her later on? Like, white trash Pocahontas or something like that? I forget what it is. <laughs> does John say that? Because it sounds yes. like a John line. Okay. Um, one important thing that does happen while Cole and Phoebe are talking on the beach is that the plan is all we got to do is survive until morning. Because if yeah. they don't complete the ritual by dawn, they're hosed. Yeah. Like I said, Phoebe had ran off, and she runs right into a camping petter ass. And... Uh, <laughs> Dude's creepy, and I think like he's an actual actor, and I didn't look him up in a post. He is. Oh, okay. Can you save me here? <laughs> uh, I can't give you like his accolades and his fucking full IMDb, but okay. he's Big John in Halloween Kills. Oh shit! Yeah, you know like Big John, a <laughs> little John in the house. Yeah. So he's, the, he's the guy with the pinky ring and the cheese knife. Okay, they're fucking hilarious. This guy's been in some shit. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. I'm like, oh my god, I know who that is. Who is that? Who is that? I looked it up. I'm like, it's fucking Big John. <laughs> I fucking love Big John and Little John and Halloween Kills. Oh, my God. So, luckily, as he's trying to get up in some Phoebe, Cole shows back up. And uh, he sits right down. He's like, you know what I love about s'mores? Da, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, he wants to fuck a s'more. Like, he just goes into this whole thing about s'mores. Yeah, because the guy's, like, 100% rapey. It's not even questionable. <laughs> Correct. And the camera pans over, and there's, like, no next to the guy. When it moves back, he just pops up. Like, uh -huh. Cole pops up <laughs> like we saw Allison and B do in the last movie. Oh, and he grabs Phoebe for them to take off, and dude busts his ass when he goes to give chase because Cole tied his fucking shoes together. Right, right. He's learned something. So, uh. Uh, they steal his outback and oh shit, it's Fat Dragon. 
and literally fucking Sonya pops up in front of the Outback when they hit the headlights holding a fucking flamethrower and it says Fat Dragon. <laughs> and this is the first of fucking straight up grindhouse title card flashback. Yeah. How did the OG crew come together? And in Sonya's, what we see is that she was a fucking mortician when yeah. B showed up and quote unquote recruited her. These are shot so rough. Like it yeah. doesn't make sense. Like the people are doing something and it's odd the way they're doing it anyways and lighting and the B just pops up. Yes. Like it's like magic and she's there and it just adds to it being more McG. fucked up and McGee and, <laughs> and, and it's great. And, uh, I don't, I don't know if I said it earlier, but he actually shot all these and then Thought he should cut them because they were too weird. And then he's like, I really want to keep them. <laughs> and he kept them. <laughs> and I'm so glad he did because they're all funny. But we get Max's later. Yep. And a dance number. Yes. But we're not quite there yet. We're going to get there. <laughs> now, I got to ask, in you finding that, did he shoot him for the second one and almost not do it? Or did he shoot him for the first one? And second one. Not okay, okay. Yeah. So uh, it's still fun. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but it's fun. So they run Sonya into this fucking cliffside. And when they hit the wall pinning her, the surfboard flies off of the top of the outback because <laughs> yeah. it's a fucking outback. Um, <laughs> it decapitates her. And we've got one baddie down. Now, like I just said, it's an outback. So as they go to drive off, they get stuck on a rock, which I'm going to fucking admit where I read this fucking IMDb. It's an outback. It has a symmetrical all-wheel drive system. It I was about to say not, that. It would not have gotten stuck like this. I owned... <laughs> A 2020 Outback, and I have a 2020 Ascent right now. I'm a I'm a Subi guy. Now. I currently own and an you currently own Outback. I was gonna say I didn't. I knew you had an older one, so I wasn't sure if it had the all wheel drive. Yeah, 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 that was their claim to fame. And uh, yeah, you wouldn't get fucking stuck. No. Plus, the clearance probably would have made it anyways. Yeah, it's it gives us what we need for the snake, um, <laughs> which is also ridiculous <laughs> and great. That's the thing to me. McGee can get like hard passes on ridiculous shits to me that I would I would never give anybody else. No. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like well, that's like this is a goofy movie. It's campy. That's too much. But it's like I don't know. This is fucking funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Like it happens a lot with this shit. So with them stuck on this rock, the baddies show up. So they roll under the car to hide. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a great time for a rattlesnake to head up Cole's pants yeah. while the young baddies argue with the quote unquote old baddies. <laughs> yeah. I think they call them old, right? They do. Like they're <laughs> and so they get miffed at each other and decide to split up young versus old. While this is going on, Phoebe grabs Cole's trouser snake. And uh, Wait, no, what? no, I'm sorry. That's later. But she does grab the rattlesnake that was in his trousers. So it's still partially accurate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And uh, they end up throwing it out and it scares Diego and da 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 da. It doesn't matter. They get away. So the uh, next place to head to is Phoebe's vacation cabin to wait it out. That's the plan. That's where she's been trying to get to. Yeah. And she actually thanks Cole for coming back and saving her. Right. And she's never had anybody actually care enough about her to do that. Yeah. And I think this is one of the many times where it's like Terminator 2. There's so many times that it happens. Yeah. That they're referencing movies that I didn't put them in here. There, There is a big like sequels conversation, but Terminator gets brought up like five times yes. because he did a Terminator movie and he thought it'd be funny. But uh, not only does she thank him, she lets it slip that it's not the first first time she's seen someone die yeah and she's not preggers um yeah because yeah, he's, he's like, like oh, oh man, that's a bleak outlook for right. someone that's about to bring new life into the world <laughs> and she's like wait what uh, i don't know i was fucking with those kids 
So they're walking along, and meanwhile, what happens with the old baddies is Allison's like, fuck this shit. I'm going to sit here on this rock and look sexy. You guys move along. And she's sporting a fucking Desert Eagle 50A for some reason. And so we go back to, uh, we're following Cole and Phoebe. They're walking along, and they get spooked by this bunny. And then uh, the bunny gets spooked by turning into goo. Because Allison just shot the shit out of it. (laughs) Yeah. So we get hers. Dream job interview. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> she's fucking interviewing at this news station. And she's like, I just wanted to be like Geraldo, <laughs> but fuckable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll be moving on with someone else and letting stuff Geraldo, but fuckable. And, of course, it's like fucking interviews over. She starts jumping up and down on top of the Breaking the desk, desk and shit. And shit. Yes. Yeah. And standing there which like i don't think it's supposed to be taken as direct as we see it it's supposed to beep was probably friends with all of them and knew them all and knew about her wanting to be you know a, a journalist and not getting her interview like failing it and 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 bringing her in but like we get the funny mcg version shortened to just tell you the same thing in three seconds while you're laughing oh dude when we get to the end of this i have a whole nother theory on that okay yeah 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 <laughs> So, uh, oh, you just gave me a new theory. <laughs> I got a raging clue right now. <laughs> yes. So, this confrontation with Allison is quickly interrupted by a deer. Oh, yeah. That gets liquefied as well. Yeah. Did you just kill fucking Bambi? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Cole tries to trick her again. And he's doing the whole thing like, oh, you could be the greatest right. journalist, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. She's shooting around him while right. all this is going on. And then there's a ricochet. Yeah. Gets her right in the left tit. Right in the tit. <laughs> Titty gone! So the pair takes off and they go down this crevasse and uh, Allison goes down behind him. Now, had she not been shot in the tit, her boobs would have been big enough for them to get stuck. But instead, her head gets stuck. Right. I don't know if that's true, but that's how it is in my head. <laughs> and so she's stuck and... I think it's Cole that actually motions like, oh, shit, let's grab her legs right. and fucking see what happens. And they grab her legs and they rip her fucking head off. <laughs> well, she's shooting down at him. Yes. So we've got two baddies decapitated. Then to add insult to injury, this giant fucking boulder falls on what's left of Allison. Crushing <laughs> yeah. her. So yeah. she's like really gone. Like, why did that happen? Miggy. Why did that happen? Then Max is suddenly there fucking chopping her leg off with an axe. Now he was aiming <laughs> for Cole, but he ends up chopping fucking Allison's leg off with an axe. Then Cole grabs Allison's leg yes. and uses it to defend himself against the axe wielding Max. He does it. He slaps him with it and like fucking blood splashes on Max. He doesn't give a fuck. Well, at some point he stabs Max in the back with Allison's fucking heel. <laughs> yeah. And, uh,. <laughs> But the fight actually ends with Cole kicking Max in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and fucking Phoebe does the slide under the axe to grab her bag. and Slow-mo, yeah, yeah. But Max is all like, you did it, Cole. You found my dick. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. You found my dick, man. He really is Big Brother's Big Sisters, man. I never thought of this. He is, man. Um, so the duo then makes it to this dock and this <laughs> boat named Jenny. But there's a pin padlock in the ignition. Now, Jesse, you... Me and everyone we know at this part of the movie, first fucking time, starts singing the goddamn song. Eight six seven five three zero oh, nine. So we know what's up. <laughs> um, but the owner of the boat pops up and he says nothing because Max immediately knifes his ass. <laughs> yeah, he's just there to kill people. Speaking of which, we get the grindhouse pop up for Max. Yes. Max just wants to kill people. Now, Max had been dealing with these Karens at a diner. Yeah. 
<laughs> this whole scene's funny because everybody else needed something. And it literally pops up says Max just wanted to kill people. But he's waiting tables in a restaurant and the Karens are yelling at him. And he's got his jeans and his belt buckle on. No and shirt. No shirt. <laughs> and a name tag on his chest and a hairnet. <laughs> when they wardrobe fitted him, he had one outfit with the jeans and the giant belt buckle. And then like a Bettigan's type restaurant outfit. Okay. And he's like, Maji, come on. I think we earned this. I think I should be shirtless. I think it will be accepted. I want to be shirtless. I still want to have a name tag on. And because it doesn't make any sense, I want a fucking hairnet because my, my fucking body hair is falling out. What's the matter if I have a hairnet? And Maji's like, fuck it, bro. You're right. You did earn this. So it was Robbie Amell's idea. Oh my God. That's great. Yeah. We and, earned this. Yeah, between those are the exact words. I earned this, or we earned this, and that's funny because between that and the uh, behind the scenes scene with uh, fucking uh, John, John wanting to do the thing, and she's like, "Fuck it, if that's what you do, it's funny." <laughs> and I'm like, "Did Bella Thorne want to do the sexy fall through the window thing? Because who knows? Probably. I don't know. It's it's all funny, but he he's easily my favorite character, and like that fucking adds to it. And at this point in time in the movie, I'm like, nothing could top that Max joke. And then it happens. It's coming. <laughs> so we now know that B found Max at yeah. a diner. I mean, I worked restaurant jobs before I went to college, and I, I could relate to just wanting to kill people. <laughs> so Everybody tip your waitresses and your bartenders. <laughs> so we've got Max on the dock, and John shows up as well. And yeah. then Max sees the name on the boat. That's my boat. Name's Jenny. Jenny, Tommy Two Toes, 1981, So they punch in the code and they escape. But oh shit, there's an inner tube tied yeah. to the fucking boat. <laughs> yes. And Max notices this and he hops in the fucking inner tube. He's like, it's jackass time. You come in Knoxville. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the fucking dead Kennedy's police truck kicks in yes. and they battle. It is so fucking perfectly timed. He's like flexing and he's doing like king of the world doing the arms. Best part. He likes to try to talk the directors and let them do stunts as much as the he can't, okay. right? Because there's like laws and stuff, right? Because yeah, yeah. the actor, he wanted to surf the tube. <laughs> McGee let him surf the tube. <laughs> that is Robbie Amell flexing, riding the fucking inner tube. And they couldn't get him. He's like, where the fuck do you put a life jacket? I don't I'm have a shirt on. <laughs> so they gave him a handful of glow sticks and popped them and put them in his jeans pocket. So if he fell in the water, he could start throwing glow sticks <laughs> up so they could save him. <laughs> Shit, you not. God, I love McGee. <laughs> I mean, we have to give Robbie Amell a little bit of credit for this, yes, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want him to direct the movie after the fucking shirtless waiter scene. <laughs> <laughs> so we get yet another callback, like when Max was pulling on the bedsheet rope right. to pull fucking Cole back up. He starts fucking yeah. reeling himself into the boat with the rope. And uh, <laughs> he hops on, and Phoebe fucking sprays him with the silly string <laughs> yeah and uh he's like silly string what this is dumb and she's like inflammable <laughs> yeah. and fucking roasts him and he falls in the water and cole hits the gas fucking chops max's leg all up and then he pops back up again right and he hits it the other way and this time fucking chops his face all up yeah. they get splattered with gore we've got another baddie gone with a head injury. Right, right. So John sees all this go down from the dock. And uh, the young baddies arrive. 
And John says, uh, you know, not dying first is some post-Jordan Peele air horror movie shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He's like, oh, my God, that could have been me. I was supposed <laughs> to die right there, you know. <laughs> I have a fool Jordan Peele's the kind of guy that's a McG fan. <laughs> and he saw that, and he's just like, I've made it. Yes. <laughs> Even though he's more famous. <laughs> he's yes. McG at this point. Fuck gold. That joke is fucking platinum. <laughs> um <laughs> Because it's a meta movie, and he's, like, pointing out that Jordan Peele fucking forever changed the token black guy. Exactly. So Jimmy's <laughs> starting to get cold feet, too, and he starts doing some math. And uh, <laughs> This is it. This is it. You're right. It's fucking way worse than Comic Core. He's oh, yeah. like, well, 74% of that. It's just it's popping up on the screen and shit like yeah. Scott Pilgrim. It's fucking terrible. And uh, Diego's like, hey, hey, when, when, when do you think we will wrap this up? Because uh, we're supposed to go to this escape room tomorrow, and you're supposed to be there like 15 minutes early to sign paperwork. And I got my deposit. <laughs> and anyone think that we're being culturally insensitive with Josh doing a bad Mexican accent. <laughs> Diego himself has a bad Mexican accent in the movie. He is. <laughs> and if you really want to be offended, watch the latest season of The Great British Bake Off when they have Mexican week and they say, hey, we can't make any Mexican jokes. That's insensitive. And the other guy goes, not even one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem like the kind of guy that would watch the British Bake Off show to me. We do. Fucking the, the, the blue-eyed fucking gray-haired dude. I don't know what you're like, talking about. I don't watch that shit. He's awesome. Oh, no, dude. The fucking, they do Mexican week on the Great British Bake Off. And what's funny is they tell them to make Pico de Gallo because none of them know it's pronounced Pico de Gallo. It's fucking great, dude. Huh. It is funny as shit. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we beat them and took over this country. They're still running from behind the scenes with the fucking Nazis, man, and the lizards in the fucking tunnels under Antarctica. Anyways, this um, podcast does not condone <laughs> flat earth, hollow earth, or lizard man theories. No, 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 no. The flat earth is fake. The hollow earth is fake. The tunnels are shallow. They're shallow. Oh, <laughs> uh, we need a new podcast. We're um, going to cover this shit. Get to the bottom of it. So like it, Geraldo, but fuckable. <laughs> So Jimmy's terrible math and Diego's need to go to escape room sends them peacing out of the mission. And as they walk away, the flames of hell take them off of this earth. Oh, yeah. Not John yet, though, right? Not John yet. Yeah. John's in it for the long haul. Yeah. He keeps his feet firmly planted. And he's like, I'm here on this earth. I'm not going anywhere. And this <laughs> yeah. is when he says the fucking Pocahontas shit yeah. to Mel. Because <laughs> she comes walking up and she whips out a sat phone. You ain't gonna get no service out here. Sat phone, bitch. Plan B is more than the pill I take on Saturdays. So she calls Cole's dad. And uh, she says, you know, oh, we got drunk at the lake and we need a ride. Well, it's more than that, though. She's like, we got drunk at the lake and we're having a good time. And then you just started spouting out this crazy conspiracy stuff. True. Right. Which make dad's like, oh, oh, my God. That's why we we're trying to lock him up kind of thing yeah. in his head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that increases the urgency. Yeah. Good call. So, uh, of course, him and Juan are going to They're fucking on their way, I think. They I don't think, even jump straight to it. He's like, did she say anything about my car? Yeah. Well, I think this is also around the time where he's like, you're going to hit this? And he's holding the bong. And he's, oh, yeah. and he's like, no, I'm not supposed to. My wife said like, I can. He's like, if, if I, I hold it, <laughs> I light it, and I pull the carburetor. And you're just breathing. And he's like, well, I guess that's okay. And he fucking hits it, and then Juan's all like, fuck, Snoop, we're going on tour. <laughs> yeah, because he like, fucking took the whole thing down. Oh, my God, it's so funny. Them, t I could do a movie spinoff with just them two hanging out. Absolutely. Yeah. So back on the boat, 
And we get to see Cole and Phoebe kind of have a moment. And she's like, where are we going? And Cole's like, well, based on da-da-da-da-da. And he's fucking <laughs> looking at the sky and shit. And he's like navigating by the stars. I'm like, we're going to go that way. And uh, he's like, you know, I always, I always thought that I'd be one of those people that, you know, would learn all these survival skills and one day grow up and get out of a sticky situation based on my knowledge. Yeah. And we could see Phoebe fucking get mentally wet. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Jenna Ortega plays this perfect. She's yeah, got that she look has. on her face like huh, he is more than just a big dick. Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I totally flew past the part where she's like, what What did you and your big dick plan on doing tonight? Oh, is so it when she's digging the silly string out, right? Yes. She finds the, the condoms? <laughs> yes. So uh, she has a, another flashback, and this time we see a Jeep. And she gives a little back to him and says that when she was little, she wanted to be Alice. She wanted to fall down the rabbit yeah. hole into a strange land and go on an adventure. Man, I got real serious there. Um <laughs> Anyways, so does the movie, though, at that point, though, to but be that, fair. But that's fine. They make it to the cabin, and Cole has to piss. Yeah. <laughs> so Big G's going to snatch us right back. And, and I'm picturing James Wan right now, and he's like, I like horror, and I like to scare people, but I feel like you have to break it with levity. And I was thinking James Wan saying levity, because it's coming, people. Fucking constantly. Now, normally, I would be mad, because Cole's like, where do I pee? And she's like, there's an outhouse. He could walk outside and fucking piss. He could also get murdered, though, outside, to be fair. He could is fucking pissed when they got on shore but it doesn't matter so there's like this fucking spittoon yeah. fucking vase thing and uh she's like just peeing that and he's like okay well turn around and cover your ears because tiny opus has stage fright and shit and uh <laughs> so he's pissing and and we're seeing her and he's like behind yeah. her over her shoulder and once again jenna ortega does great she has this look on her face and the way the shot pushes in we think there's something in the cabin. Something oh, or someone. Yeah, yeah, let me time you out here, though, because the, the buildup is even better than you're giving it. <laughs> He's freaking out. He keeps making her do different things, like step back further, blah, blah, blah. Can you cover your ears? He's yeah. like, I'm real conscious. I have a weak stream. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had the tiny opus joke, but yes. <laughs> yeah. I have a weak stream and I'm scared. It, it <laughs> seriously comes into play in a second. It does. <laughs> so she's stepping back, stepping back, and we're all like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And then she turns around. She's like, boo, to Cole who immediately turns around and pisses right in her face. (laughs) Weak stream, my ass. (laughs) And he's like mortified. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And she's like giggles and says it's okay. It's sterile. Yeah. This chick's fucking weird. (laughs) She likes to get peed on. Or that. Yeah. You can't kink shame people. I don't know how many times I've told you that. No kink shame. She likes to get peed on. I don't kink shame anybody unless it has to do with unwilling animals or underage fucking kids. (laughs) Well, it's just cheering. (laughs) I think you're okay with it right now. You're right, man. I really took that to the degree. There was no animal or child urine harmed in this film. So with with Cole's bladder trained and Phoebe covered in fresh sterile urine, go ass Alice by fucking, uh, what is it? Jefferson Airplane starts fucking playing. And they make their way into Phoebe's rabbit hole. That is not euphemism. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's her hideaway downstairs. And uh, she set it up when she was little. And they go down there. And uh, Phoebe full on shows her bunny to Cole. That's not euphemism either. Nope. Not yet. It's her bunny. (laughs) And it's the one she got out of the locker. And she has another flashback. And this time we see the Jeep crashing. Mm -hmm. And she tells Cole that she lost her bunny when she was six. And he showed up in her locker yesterday, today. I don't know. Showed up in her fucking locker. Right, right. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mel and John make it to the cabin. And that's when the two pops get close. So back at the cabin, 
we we've had we jumped away. I guess we jumped away just to have time pass to have Cole and yeah. Phoebe together for longer. Because when we cut back, we immediately get to Cole getting a little scared because Phoebe's giving him the full on fuck me eyes. Like she's like they're in the little bunny hole and on the blanket. They got the tea set. Alice fucking a boombox. We'll get to the boombox. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, a boombox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of going for it. Right. And uh, he hits play. <laughs> fucking Apache starts playing. And I always go back to Fresh Prince when I hear the song, but that's my generation. And we get this fucking 70s dance scene. Oh, yeah. With everybody. <laughs> and I have a feeling when McG was like, I thought it was too weird and people won't get it and I should cut it. It, it was probably the dance scene, I feel like. And, uh, but like it, the style of it goes with the flashbacks and he had to keep it. Yes. But it goes full off the fucking rails. And this is the shortened version. Go to YouTube. Oh, nice. Type babysitter, killer queen dance scene or dance deleted scenes or whatever and it's a much longer dance scene and I think it's bad I think he should have fucking went full throttle Fuck yeah. full throttle Charlie's Angels too. <laughs> he should have fucking did it dude I want the whole five minute dance scene or whatever well it it's also intercut with things like flowers blooming and hot oh, yeah. dogs going into buns and, and a, a cannon firing yes. and a, a fucking Wilhelm scream it is very much implied that they are plowing right now yes so the pops then make it on the scene and they're down at the beach, and Mel tells him up in the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> and this is when Juan introduces himself to John. <laughs> and John's like, oh, yeah, that's like the Mexican version of my name. Right, right. <laughs> and Mel hangs back. Back over to the cabin, post-coitus, Cole reveals that every girl he's ever had a thing for turned out to be a murderer. Yeah. Phoebe says his streak still stands. Right. <laughs> And you're expecting her to stab him right there. Whereas my brain's always like, he ain't innocent anymore. Right? Like I I thought I figured it out and then they tricked me, but it wasn't a real trick. It was a reversal trick. This shit's crazy. It is. Yeah. It's like a fucking M night Shyamalan and ding dong reach around. Oh, like, yeah. Oh yeah. But it has replay value. Yeah, it does. (laughs) M night Shyamalan has two movies that I can rewatch. Are you talking about this? Mine's The Happening. Uh, I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Oh, Unbreakable all day. Oh. Long. The whole trilogy. The whole trilogy. Yeah, I forgot yeah. he made a trilogy. But before the trilogy, because that kind of happened fast. When it, yeah. Well, it took forever to start. <laughs> but when number two came out, we got number three real quick. But yeah, before that, it's just those two. Like, I like almost every movie his I've ever seen. But I'm like, yeah, I can't watch that again. Oh, I, I can't do old. I actually never saw old. So I didn't like it. I, I've never met anyone. But like it, <laughs> which is why I've never seen it. So yeah, Phoebe says that his streak <laughs> still stands, and she explains the death of her parents, mm-hmm. and it puts a bow on the flashbacks. So they were on a trip to this cabin, and she had left her bunny on the beach, and her babysitter was taking her back to get it, but the parents already had it. We see this in the flashback yeah. in the car. They end up crashing head on, and Phoebe was the only survivor. As we know for right now. Why'd I get so somber? Because the movie gets deep right here. So Cole then, get, you're right, man. I'm reading my next fucking notes. and like, shit. So uh, Cole then gives a non-canned response, unlike everyone else that she's ever had to speak to about it. Like, you know, oh, do the goodwill hunting thing. Da, 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 da. He's <laughs> like, I can't. Like, it's not your fault, but it is your fault. You know, fucked up shit happens to people, and it's it's how you fucking deal with it. It's through avert- adversity that we find strength. Right. Which is a thing between him and his dad, if I remember correctly. I didn't note it. Anyways. <laughs> so uh, they look like they're getting ready to go for fucking round two. Jesus. <laughs> this is a G film, not a Bella Thorne film. <laughs> 
So take it back a step. So guys, on the next episode, we review our first porno. Um, <laughs> nope, nope. Still family, still not going to do that together. <laughs> Anyways. Six hours later into babysitter killer queen. <laughs> so Cole's ready to fucking go running upstairs. That's my dad. And Phoebe's like, hold up. You know, the fucking the T-1000 could do voice change. <laughs> right, right. Terminator joke number 19. <laughs> yes. And uh, he's not backing down. He's like, it could be him in trouble. I got to go up there. And Phoebe's like, well, at least we could grab my dad's hunting gear. Right. I'm like, fucking convenient. <laughs> we figure out the bunny holes actually like dad's survivor bunker yeah, yeah. with his gun safe. Yeah. So there's another fucking pin pad, though, put on the back of the fortune that said it ends tonight. It's got your lucky numbers. They yeah. all do. Yes. Yeah. So. How convenient again. <laughs> That's the code for the fucking safe for the weapons. They kid up preparing for battle. We jump back upstairs and we immediately get John's backstory. I want to go platinum. <laughs> this dude could not carry a tune in a fucking bucket. Right. And he's in the studio just fucking making the engineer want to shoot himself. Yeah. And the engineer bounces on him and he's like, what the fuck? But B's there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. They come up and we've got everybody up in the cabin now, save for Mel. And Pop still thinks that Cole's fucking fucked in the head. And like you said, Mel telling him like, oh, Cole started talking all this crazy shit. And we're we're continuing on with that. So I'm right. glad you brought that up. And uh, Cole's like, fuck this. And he shoots a crossbow at John. Yeah. He misses. He hits the fucking give me that filet of fish, Billy Bass on the yeah. mantle. And uh, John's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he grabs a sword off the mantle yeah. and goes charging at him. But in the process, he cuts a rope that is what's holding up the fucking deer antler chandelier that falls on him and fucking fucks up his jugular and his eyeball and his yeah. mouth and his everything. That's another baddie dead through head injury. I'm, I never really put this together yeah. <laughs> until talking about it. So Mel pops up and uh, Cole and Phoebe run out the back door while dad chases after them. Juan sticks behind because there's his daughter. She yeah. knows where his fucking baby is. Yeah, he wants where the fucking car's at. <laughs> and he starts asking her and she just well, uh, hang on. So Phoebe has a fucking machete and throws it at Mel. I am kind of leaving something out. And Mel just catches it because she's right. fucking Pocahontas. And uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> then they go running out the back yeah. door with uh, Cole's dad in tow. Juan starts giving Mel shit. And uh, she chops off one of his arms. And he's like, that's it. I'm taking back your ID IUD. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he chops off one of his other arms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then she fucking stabs him. And... Uh, we cut back to Cole and Cole's like, fuck it, Phoebe, you go like, I got to deal with my dad. Just, right. just run. You just got to make it till dawn. And he waits for dad and dad comes up and, and they have a quick little talk and, and, and dad's still in the hole. You're fucking crazy thing. Right. And, and he's like, it's okay. I love you. Blah, 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 blah. And they hug. And then Cole's like, what the fuck, dad? You're not supposed to touch me like that. Just what? Fucking syringe sticking yeah. out of his arm. He's been sedated. Meanwhile, Mel catches up with Phoebe and a Scott Pilgrim slash Hong Kong fucking fight scene ensues. <laughs> it's got the fucking health bars and everything, yes. bro. And it does that jittery thing that I uh -huh. normally can't stand. But no, it was on purpose. It's trying to make it look like an old Mortal Kombat yeah, game. Well, it's yeah. like a bad Amiga game is what yeah. I was going to say. It, it, it's, but it's same thing. And they fucking throw down. And eventually, Mel gets the upper hand with a knife to Phoebe's yeah. throat. These are straight up Charlie's Angels Kung Fu moves, though. They like, really like are. Nothing that either one of them should be able to do. And it's a lot of wire foo. And I think that was another Mick G joke on himself. I could totally see that. Yeah. 
So we jump cut and Mel's got Phoebe tied to a post and she's surrounded by these effigies and fire and the effigies remind me of the fucking suits that the feast beast would yeah. wear. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Cole then wakes up. He's in the car with dad in dad's electric vehicle that he has stopped to charge. Yeah. And the bumping of the, what is it? The bumping of the horn is what wakes Cole up as dad's yeah, getting out. Like that, something yeah. stupid. Um, which makes me wonder what sedative is it? How far away has dad driven? This is the one thing in the movie I won't give a pass on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is so irrelevant. Why would you even think about it? Cause Cole's like, Oh fuck. Got to wake up. And he takes one sip of coffee and he's like, Oh, I'm awake now. And then he gets behind the, the fucking wheel and drives off. Don't be mad. Cause his drug tolerance is higher than yours. It's not that also the doors are locked. Dad's outside of the car. Dad locked himself out of the car while charging it with his incapacitated, sedated son inside. How do we know he locked it? Because he he knocks on the door and tells Cole to unlock the fucking door. Okay. It's really fucked up. And he takes off while the charger's plugged in. And most electric vehicles, you can't do that when they're plugged in. There's a safety switch. You can't. It's all wrong. I think of all the scenes for you to put this much focus in and get angry about, you picked literally the worst example. I have to unload it all on this one because every bit of this doesn't make sense, but I don't care. So Cole's on his way back. (laughs) I just think it's funny that Ken Marino has an electric car. Like it just fit in with his dad getting jerked off by the board. Why free the book? Like the whole thing just goes together. At any rate, (laughs) this is arguably as good as Godfather two. I'm just saying (laughs) So Cole's driving back. Mel calls him on the sat phone and uh, leads him to the final showdown. I don't remember if I said that earlier. Every time Melanie's making a phone call, she has a sat phone. Cause yeah. John's you, like, you've said sat phone more okay. times than I've ever Thank heard God. you say in I'm, our life. I'm fucking drunk. So I don't know. Sorry guys. Like this is, I needed to laugh this much. So deal with me. Oh, we're having a good um, time here. <laughs> this is how we deal with mourning in this family. <laughs> That's not, healthy. <laughs> not the Baptist ones. They don't do that, but we do this. <laughs> so uh, we've been in the third act since we got to the cabin. By oh, the yeah, way. he didn't say it. Um, I didn't say it. Nobody said it. Cole's on his way for the final fucking showdown. Yeah. And when he shows up, he sits down in this chair that's on the beach and he's like, fucking do it. Take my blood. Just let Phoebe go. So uh, Mel says, well, I got to close the deal first with her. Mm. And right on cue, fucking B comes walking out of the water. And Phoebe fucking recognizes her. She was her babysitter, too. And we're led to believe she made a deal with the devil to survive the crash. Because we get another little quick flashback of B, like, with head mm-hmm. wound, mm-hmm. dressings and shit, sitting on a bed. And this nurse turning into a fucking demon. But it's very fucking brief. So Mel mixes the blood. And all the old... Because we've we've classified them, the old baddies pop out of the effigies, and they drink the blood, save for B. And when they drink the blood, it leaves their mouths perfectly clean. McGee fucked up on that one. Like you don't drink blood and have pearly whites and nothing on your mouth. That bothers me. How do you know what it looks like when people drink blood? Because Be- that's bothering me right now. Because you and I both know that it's fucking corn syrup and food coloring. Oh, and we've had that shit. In and on us. Oh, yeah, yeah. But real blood. I don't know what the fuck real blood does oh, when you drink fuck. it. I know what corn syrup does with food coloring. I don't know what real blood All does. Right, if we have a fan that wants to volunteer, um, we need some human blood or pig's blood. I'm not doing any of this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a fuck whose blood it is. You don't have to swallow. <laughs> no. It's still in your mouth. It's just as bad. All right. So before I vomit, let's wrap up this movie. Um, He's going to vomit anyways, guys. He's drinking enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> it really does bother me. So they drink the blood. They seal the deal. Credits. Fuck no. They all start puking up blood as soon as they oh, fucking yeah. drink it. Oh, yeah. And B says, Cole isn't so innocent anymore, is he? No virgin blood, no deal. Fucking killer queen starts playing, and the old baddies all burn up in hellfire. And it's really fucking cool, especially Sonya, because she's got like the eyeball po- yeah, fucking poking yeah. out shit. It's gory and great. You were accurate, but you you glazed over or uh, completely skipped my favorite part. Max is like dying, choking up blood, and he's like, that's oh, my boy. Yes. <laughs> he's so proud he got laid. He's like, I'm not even mad, bro. Yeah, he says, I'm not even mad, bro. <laughs> You're right, my bad. Because Max is literally only there to kill people and take care of Cole. Those are the only two things. He doesn't give a fuck about anybody else or anything. Oh, my God. Like, it's, <laughs> when he does that, I laugh so hard. So, of course, Cole and Phoebe are like, the fuck. And B reveals that she set the whole night up. And yeah. her original deal with the devil was to save Phoebe after the wreck. Yeah. And that's when we get the flashback that, you know, she could save the kid. We're going to come back to that. And Cole's like, so how'd you know that I'd like, you know, do it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's like, she knew that the right girl would appreciate his weirdness. Yeah. And uh, which she said in the first one. And she also knew that he would have to work for it because he understood that earning something without working for it was ultimately unfulfilling. And I think we're supposed to think that part of her nerdiness and movie love came from taking care of Phoebe. Exactly. Not, not a, Phoebe was younger, so it was like a different kind of level of liking it, but like she was that way back then too. One billion percent. That's why when Phoebe was old enough, well, probably not even old enough, but that's why Phoebe has the same tattoo. Right, because she, she idolized, idolized her. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So uh, Pops now shows up. Yeah. And he's looking at the three of them left. And uh, B has to drink the blood to complete the failing of the ritual. This is very fucking important yeah. for what I want to go into. And Cole's like, fucking no. And she's like, well, a deal's a deal. And she drinks the blood and she's fucking pulled into hell, drag me to hell style, uh, supernatural slash drag me to hell style. And uh, <laughs> as she disappears, she drops the book. And Pop sees all this. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, shit, it's real. Because, <laughs> like, hey, B. <laughs> yeah. She fucking gets fucking vamped out. And he's like, oh, my God, all this shit's real. And we fast forward to Cole with his guidance counselor doing his very best fucking risky business. And uh, <laughs> and Cole's telling the guidance counselor, he's like, look, man, it was just all in my head. And uh, the guidance counselor's all like, you know, you look like you got laid. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's what you told me. All I need to do is get laid. He really... Call some Tom Cruise risky business. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. look at all smug like Tom Cruise <laughs> and risky business. And that's it. Fucking credits. Now, mid credits, we are reminded, even though it just happened fucking 45 seconds ago, that that book is still sitting on the beach. Holy shit. I've never seen that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So all this shit I have at the end, we already fucking talked about. I want to talk about the deal, the deal, the deal. I think there's been more than one deal. Yes. I think first deal, well, I don't even know that. <laughs> Actually, because we could not know it's irrelevant right now. She definitely made a deal to save Phoebe. Phoebe. Yes. She might have did it again before or after that. I think she was legitimately maybe trying to do that with her group of friends. But the epiphany I randomly had earlier, we don't know what her deal was. Deal doesn't just mean you have to do, well, it, it literally means you have to do something for the devil. Yes. In return. What if she's a crossroads demon? 
right? Because a lot of those legends go that way. Supernatural went really deep on that. Yes. Because that's old legends. And who was the executive producer again? Uh, Supernatural? McG? Yeah, McGee. <laughs> and um, what if her deal is to try to get more people to try to make a deal with the devil? I 100% think that. But check this out. Here's how I think she got there. Okay. So the book is the linchpin in this whole thing. Yeah. And we don't know how she got it. So when she made the first deal in the hospital to save Phoebe, mm-hmm. there is no book. Oh, It was just fair. one of those, you're at death's door, uh, Methosopheles shows up, da-da-da-da-da. She saves the child. She has a penance, being her soul, right. whenever she fucking kicks it. Sometime down the line, for whatever reason, she discovers the book. Now, it's mm. made clear in the first movie that with the book, you do the ritual, you drip the blood on the page, you get whatever you want. And she wanted to use the book to get out of owing the devil her soul. Exactly. Okay. The ritual fails. Because of the events of the first film. Exactly. So she still owes. It's brought up that after 666 days, the old baddies are allowed to come back on earth to complete the original ritual. Second chance. Exactly. She botches said ritual to save save both Phoebe and Cole. Because she actually cared about both of them the whole fucking time, obviously. And, of course, everybody loses in the failed ritual, be included. They're all gone. Now, I totally like the idea of the door opening that even to have that chance, she had to be a crossroads demon. Yeah. so I I could give or take that part, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it works either way. But I seriously, I have no fucking clue. I seriously think that's how all this ties together. Yeah. And that's the importance of the book. Like, we just saw her drop it when she went to hell, but even post or mid credits, we see the book again. Like, hey, reminder, like we just told you she made this deal for Phoebe. There was no book mentioned, though. And then book, book. Do you know what could escalate this? even further into greatness because I think it's already greatness is a trilogy for me <laughs> and it's breaking a rule and going outside of the box which okay. is McGee style yes the third movie needs to be from B's perspective and not Cole's but is it a later story with B? everything all yes the answer is yes <laughs> it is a flashback for the Phoebe era a flashback to the Cole era and what's she doing now Okay, so so clarification of the thread. Yeah. Of the presumed thread. Think about how many Supernatural-type TV shows we've watched in films, and let's just use Supernatural <laughs> as hey. an example as well. So she made a deal with the devil to save Phoebe because she's, like, guilty. Because she, like, loved the kid and she fucking killed her. Yeah. Right? Honorable by all fucking means, right? Yeah. Um, but she still doesn't want her soul to get eaten by the fucking devil. No, that sucks. So then she did a bunch of research, found out about this book, got the book. She needs more people to help her get it done. She gets this group of friends in. They're all vain, and they would love to have fucking wishes granted, except for Max. He just wants to kill people. Yeah. And she thinks that maybe, you know, we, we made a bunch of Simpsons jokes earlier, probably off air, but I'm smarter than the devil, right? <laughs> like, she thinks she came up with a way to do something, and it gets fucked, right? So everybody else dies. She lived. I think I established my theory at the end of the first film that she didn't die. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was like her ghost. I think she no. fucking lived. She still doesn't want to die and give her soul to the devil, but she wants to protect Phoebe and Cole. And she thinks if she can get the two of them together, it'll do it. Okay. And it worked. Yep. But she still had to sack herself to save the kids. Yes. Third movie, though, she finds a way back, and she's going to try to find a loophole and try to get out of fucking burning hell for eternity, which this nixes my she's a crossroads demon thing. And I think that might have been for me leaning too much on the supernatural, but 
No, no, but that still works because either one would work, but because in the in the theory that her exchange for her soul to save Phoebe, but then still be back, it was when she brought the new crew in. So you're assuming she had to make a deal to stay alive herself. She might have just survived the crash. No, 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 no. I think she survived. I think she was the only survivor and she sold her soul to save Phoebe. Yeah, hundred percent. But instead of paying her penance of her soul, she found the book and she's trying to find a loophole. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And she offered up the friends. So now 666. You could go that route, but I don't know if she actually offered up the friends. I think she made the original bargain with Mephistopheles to save Phoebe, right? And she wanted to find a loophole to not owe her soul to the devil. And that's where the book came from and blah, blah, blah. And I can skip you and I can go to your boss. <laughs> I'm being serious. Like, yeah. my name's Karen and I want to talk to the manager. And, uh, <laughs> and, and like, she was trying to, like, find a way to have saved Phoebe, not get the devil renege on saving Phoebe. Yeah. But she also didn't want to burn in hell. Exactly. And, uh, I don't like, I don't know how deep I would have thought into this. If I wouldn't have saw McG say, we, we came up with this is the three beat story. Exactly. And you've seen beat one and two, but to me, I, beat three would have to be from B's point of view. What actually happened from her side? How did the deal go with the crossroads demon? What was her plan going into the first one? And why did she decide to sacrifice it all for the kids in the second one and kill herself? Because you could, that's the thing. This is one of the most intelligently done movie series I've ever seen. And I mean, in a way, you have a lot of people like, I want to make this a trilogy or a quadrilogy, or I want to make two of them, right? And they leave it on a cliffhanger. Yeah. He's ended both movies. Finality, we don't need anything else. Well, but we do have a cliffhanger. But we have openings. Yeah. You have a bullshit. I mean, you had a bullshit cliffhanger in the first one. Yeah. B stabs a cop. She's well, not dead. It's, it's like the series finale and fucking supernatural. But it's not, <laughs> it's not really a cliffhanger. Like we could have only had one movie and I'm like, okay, is the B still out there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't need anything else. Right. No, 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 yeah, like they totally. didn't make it where our story, we got cheated and we didn't get it oh, into our story. Not. And, uh, I think it was an intelligent way to do it. I think both movies are a wild and fun ride. I will always say the first one is my favorite. But I can tell you from this podcast and the way my jaw feels that I laughed harder talking about this one. So apparently it's funnier. And uh, this is definitely the goofier one. It, it gets deeper, though, yes. in the goofier one in unexpected ways. And it is the most setup for a trilogy I've fucking ever seen anything in my lifetime, I feel like. And that's the part that hurts because, like we were talking about earlier, from what I've read, like you said, Mick G flat out said, there's a plan. There's yeah. always been a plan. And if the fans want it, the fans will get it. And from what I've read, the second one did not do that well. But the thing is, Netflix doesn't release numbers. So the only people who knows how well it did was Netflix. This is true. It is a Wonderland, New Line Cinema, Netflix production. (laughs) New Line Cinema can release a fucking third movie. As far as I know, no holds bar. I never saw anybody say that. But Netflix got brought in as a partner to distribute the film. Well, see, and that's the weird thing, because, like, how the fuck does Netflix, I like, I want to read about this. How do they McG crunch? knows everybody. No, no, no. How do they crunch their numbers? Because it's a fucking subscription. We don't model. know because they won't give it. Everybody acts like it's a fucking mystery on the internet. I don't know if it's because I run an IT department and have to deal with, like, parsed data and logs, like, on a daily basis. But to me, like, this is the easiest way. Fuck Nielsen numbers <laughs> of old time that they still use for some reason. They know how many accounts they have. They know how many of them are fucking pirated and in different states. Yeah. They can see all that shit. They see how many people are connected and they can see exactly to the fucking dot how many people watch a show. 
they can see how many people watch the entire season. They can see how many people quit halfway through. Yep. <laughs> they can see how many people binge it. They can see how many people fucking do it week by week. Like they have everything. They're yeah. the only, well, not them, but streaming is the only distribution that you can a hundred percent know what's going on at all yes, times. 100%. And they've said before, they won't release what it is, but Netflix has a metric that they use to renew things. And they've had some heavy hitter shows. They got canceled in their prom. Yes. That's, Santa Clarita diet. That's why uh, the OA. They have a, a math formula or algorithm that they use based off the cost of the show. Yeah. And they'll call it a wash at some point if the cost hits a certain point. So Santa Clarita diet was one of their most successful shows they ever had, but Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore are fucking expensive and it was cheaper for them to just fucking cancel it. Now that I could see, and you, ex you talking about that part just made me think of another thing though. So new on Netflix every 30 days about, you know, shit comes on, shit gets released, da, 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 da. I've never actually stopped and thought about because it's the metric. It's going to be the metric for the views. Like, obviously. Yeah. I've never paid attention to how long item X stays on before getting dumped at the first of the month. It's 2023. Both of the babysitter movies are still streaming on Netflix. Yeah. So they wouldn't leave it on there and waste the resources and the bandwidth if it wasn't still fucking getting streams. Netflix hasn't hit that point yet. It's a Netflix original. Netflix hasn't hit the point where they started pulling their own content yet. Only HBO on, Max has started fucking cannibalizing themselves. But just on their originals? Yeah. Okay. But there's a weird line there, like the Daredevil show and the Jessica Jones, all the Marvel shows that were on, there were Netflix originals on Netflix were okay. technically owned by ABC, which is Disney. Yeah. They just used Netflix as a distribution platform. So when Disney Plus came out, all those shows got pulled. Okay. So like, that's the only outlier that I know of, but Netflix hasn't hit a point yet where they start dropping their own originals. They cancel shit left and fucking right. Usually <laughs> their most successful shows yeah. get canceled. Few exceptions like stranger things, but they let stranger things have a season. What? Like every three or four years. Yeah. Cause it's expensive. And it's cause they've never operated in the positives. Like they've been negative on their fucking balance the entire time they've been a streaming network. Yeah. But they're still the big swing of dick. And um, they've said in, before in interviews, they never give numbers away, but they weigh finishing a season out and how fast you watched it. That's what everybody complains about. There have been shows that were highest watched show in the first month, but it took a month to do it. Since you didn't do it in three days, you got canceled. So they have admitted to that. So as okay. far as TV shows go, either you binge it without sleeping and we renew it, where you took your time and we cancel it, which is a shitty metric. Movies can't really fall into that. No, right? mo movies can't, but it, it makes it, it's an interesting thing about their monetary model because then you've also got the experiments of the week, weekly releases. Which Netflix doesn't do though. Have they? I'm pretty sure Netflix has, but it was just an experiment. I don't think that, I think they've done it like once or twice. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. I don't recall them ever doing it. But regardless, I could be wrong though, but, but I mean, there's a, Definitely everybody else has weekly releases. Yeah. yeah. But regardless, the, the reason I'm bringing it up is because, so if I've got a four part, whatever, you know, that's a month. What if I have a eight part, whatever with weekly releases, that's two months. There's also the crossover of subscription cost over time. And that's the only reason I'm bringing that up. And why I was saying, if these originals are still on there, what's the metrics based on when it came out, you know, viewership versus you know, fucking five years later and all these subscribers that are still, you know, this is 10% of our, our views that month. 
anyways, the point being, Jesse and I are trying to justify this because we want a third movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the little bit that I read, the fucking sequel got a lot of hate on the internet. Um, and a lower IMDb score, which it might have got hate, but I hundred percent remember when it came out, it was number one viewed movie on Netflix for at least a week. Oh, it held the spot. Definitely. But at the same time, it's like the thing of a sequel comes out in theaters and people go that first week based on the first one and find out it's a piece of shit. Except for now we have the internet and it was up there for a week. (laughs) Just saying. Regardless to fucking. Okay. If you are a fucking horror fan and you listen to this episode and haven't seen these movies, you done fucked up. Um, But if you're a (laughs) horror fan and you like camp and you love the mix of comedy and, oh my God, I just got slapped with some fucking depth at the same time. Kind of like the thread through paranormal activity. Some shit fell off, but like they tried so hard to keep tying it together. Pretty weaved together. Yeah. And uh, this was weaved together as well. (laughs) And and I want to see more of it. I want more. I want the origin of the book. I want the truth about, the, the full truth about B's motives. And if you don't like deep shit, that's fine too. But the movies are both fun. <laughs> I, they I are. will say that this is one of the most fun turn your mind off and watch it franchises to come out in at least a decade. Absolutely. It's just also deep and there's a lot to figure out too if you want to. But you could just fucking watch it while you're doing bong rips or fucking yes. drinking booze and laugh the whole fucking time because the jokes are fucking plentiful and all hilarious <laughs> well i'm an over fucking achiever so i laugh my ass off and watching the movie and in this review um and i got a little tipsy and uh oh, yeah. also wanted to point out the depth that it really had and after our little break i needed something fucking fun yeah and this was already the plan next yeah, episode it was actually it. the plan before things happened with josh's family but this is also zany enough that i felt like i could let loose a little bit more than usual plus i didn't have a lot of behind the scenes so i mm. had to lean on something but that's it and i hope y'all had fun and like jesse said we we judge how well an episode went by how much our jaw hurts afterwards and it's <laughs> not a fucking joke and uh i had fun and yeah. I'm excited for uh, getting the the fucking show back on the rails, not due to my laziness. <laughs> you were not lazy this time, brother. Do not blame yourself this time. I don't care what production company or distributor you are. Just keep giving us fun fucking movies. Keep giving people like McGee the freedom to try the crazy shit they want to try. Right. And if it fails, it fails. One thing we didn't bring up from, I did a little digging. I'm sure you did a little digging. These movies weren't that expensive. Probably not. Compared to actual releases. Like you said, had this gone theatrical, it would have cost a lot of fucking money just to put it out. McGee's literal quote was, it would have been dumb to spend marketing (laughs) money on this movie. And there you go. And he flies by the seat of his pants and he tries shit. I, I got, this isn't a quote, but I had one line that I wrote in here about him from reading several interviews. McGee said in several interviews that they didn't care if something felt funny or crazy. They just went for it unapologetically. Yeah. I watched his interview for several different movies that weren't even babysitter related. It's the same thing every time. Exactly. I want to do something. They almost fired me. (laughs) I don't like to fit in a box for a genre. I make fun shit. (laughs) Like just don't sell us all every time. And that's an opportunity afforded to filmmakers with streaming right now, at least before it finishes turning into cable 2.0 and then fails, then turns back into streaming. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's the art thing. Like we, we've talked about, 
and of course our generation, there's so many crazy ass movies that came out in the horror genre in the eighties because you had some people with a little bit of money and an idea and fucking VHS right. had just happened. You know, we may fail in theaters. We'll make it up in rentals straight to home. Yep. Yeah. Give it a trauma. Great example. Just fucking give it a shot. I think this is one of those times that to the broader audience, these movies are just, I don't get it. It's dumb, whatever, da, 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 da. And to a horror fan, it's like this fuck, this shit is fucking fun and it's fucking witty. And I think more filmmakers should be given some kind of a chance. And this is a good example of how, how awesome it could be. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to gush over these movies more than some other shit. Um, just cause they're fun. Well, <laughs> like, that's you need to turn your mind off fun sometimes. Exactly. Well, it, and rewatching them, that's all they were. Yeah. And when I sat down to do my notes for the second one, you go, oh, shit's I, deep. <laughs> I started connecting the dots and I'm you like, you don't have to have the deep. Fuck. I don't know. It's just interesting because McGee's not even a horror guy. You were saying like for horror fans, the first movie, at least I don't know about the second one. The first one was actually widely left outside of the genre. Yes. Yeah. It was just, just a fun movie. But that's because everybody wants fun movies. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's goofy movies that have the same kind of comedy and humor as horror comedy that's not horror. True. Let's use Animal House as a classic example. There right? you go. No horror, but it is the same kind of comedy and 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 zaniness. And zaniness, right? Like people like to turn your mind off and watch something fun sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of which, we want to take this opportunity to thank all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we hope we're fun to listen to all 17 hours of episode. Oh. But that's it for the Babysitter franchise episode. So you guys are going to have to tune in on the next episode where we cover a couple of our favorite home invasion films. We know that you're in there and that you're all alone. As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online, and please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbyspodcast at gmail.com. We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbyspodcast. See you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening. Things can get messy when you make a deal with the devil. 